Hey everyone, welcome to Kaiju Transmissions. Real quick, what you're about to hear is a commentary track we recorded probably around two years ago. Um, and that was for the Movie Graveyard podcast, which is a, a podcast that we're friends with. Um, and uh, I would recommend you guys check them out. Um, this one is for Godzilla 1998, and we watch the movie and dig into the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. And uh, thanks again to the GOAT for uh, uh, It Movie Graveyard for letting us put this out. And uh, we also did a Gorgo commentary with Movie Graveyard that um, we'll probably be putting out on our show uh, in the near future. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for checking it out, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the wonderful world of the movie Graveyard. We are dipping into some more late 90s, 1998 to be exact. We got another 20th anniversary uh, film to celebrate here tonight. Yes, it's very controversial. And because there was so much controversy in history and whatnot with this film, I had to uh, bring in some friends. I had to bring them back up because I alone could not know all the useless junk and facts that there is to know about this movie. <laughs> So first of all, uh, I am not a lifelong kaiju fan, although I am a kaiju fan, but I wanted some real experts here. So right off the bat, I got Matt and Bird from the, the award-winning podcast, Kaiju Transmissions. <laughs> Matt, Bird, how you guys doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. Some of, that, some of that information may not be true, but I'm not going to tell you what. There you go. <laughs> Very, uh, I would say it's probably the award. <laughs> yeah, <very. laughs> I'm going to make an award and mail it to you guys so you can officially tout that. <laughs> also, uh, you might know this next gentleman from a lot of different things. He's actually been on this podcast before. Uh, the the co-creator of the Second Run podcast. Now he just kind of just you know goes around wherever he pleases, uh, kind of like the Undertaker in WWE. Everybody, welcome back to the show, Jelly, who also is a long, long time giant monster Godzilla fan. Jelly, how you doing tonight? I'm uh, quaking in fear at the moment. Mm. <laughs> so yes, without further ado, I have to say we are covering the the very, um, very. I, I want to say popular, but it, I, I don't know if that's really the word. It's just like very. Like, literally one of the most marketed films, wide-known, well-known films, probably of the last maybe 30, 40 years. Like, 
you know, some it's films, infamous. It is infamous. Some <laughs> films, like like you know, for example, Star Wars, they live on forever because of the huge fan base. This one lives <laughs> forever because they literally promoted it. They started the promotion before they even you know made the actual movie. But you know, we'll get into all that. So. We are going to go cue this up. This film has been released numerous times on home video formats. Besides, obviously, VHS, there was two different DVDs. There's actually been two different Blu-rays of this. I'm rolling off the newest Blu-ray. I think everybody else here is going off some version of the DVD. We are literally at the zero second mark Have you here. said the movie yet? <laughs> yes, Godzilla 1998. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I just always Not assume... That- I just always yeah, not that like you yeah. wouldn't know from like the episode title, right? You right. know, that's you know that's what you know. But uh, but yeah, we Did are. Did Bird always... write this intro for you? Have they listened to our show? Because they're they're very similar at this point. <laughs> <Are> they? <laughs> but uh, without further ado, everybody grab your uh, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, PlayStation controllers, or whatever you guys have. We are literally at the zero second mark of this DVD slash Blu-ray. Um, just a black screen. Once we hit play, we'll get the TriStar logo. But I'm going to say one, two, three, go. When I say go, everybody hit play on your remotes. All right. Is everybody ready with remote or controller in hand? Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. All right, everybody. One, two, three, go. All right. All right. Thank you uh, for having us. I always like I always like uh, showing up on this show. I've been on a few of these. and yeah. It's always a good time, and you know, goat. I feel like every time I feel like I need to say this every time we do anything. As crazy and nonsensical as you are, and yes. as much as we disagree, because if anyone looked <laughs> thanks, at thanks either, for letting uh, my audience know that now. <laughs> well, if anyone looked at any piece of a conversation I've ever had with you, you'll see that it, you. I just usually just find you crazy, but. All that being said, uh, for real though, you you are one of my favorite people to uh, to podcast with. I I just always feel like I need to bring that up. Well, thank you so much, Bird. All you guys, this, I've been this I, opening to this movie yeah. is aces. I'm gonna say, I want to say that right off the bat. Is the opening this? credits to this movie are actually so good that Legendary has used them twice <laughs> in 2014 <laughs> and in Skull Island. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, but no, this is a, a a nice sequence, and um, you know, I mean, uh, we're, especially us, you know, we're we're gonna do plenty of shitting on this movie as Godzilla fans, but uh, you know, I'm I will put out a disclaimer. I am gonna be uh, as fair as I can, you know. I'm gonna be not not all nerd rage, and I'm gonna give it credit where credit is due. And um, I also like this. I have some issues with the score, but this theme here is also really nice. The David Arnold yeah. theme. I mean, the, the, better. the score Maybe, is a yeah. little bit Jurassic um, Parky, but um, oh yeah, we're going to get a whole lot that, <laughs> in the Jurassic Park. In this that's show. when I don't like the score. Um, aside from the Jurassic Park cover uh, <laughs> covers, <laughs> I think the score is is, is <laughs> not bad. There was many yeah, this times is... when I was watching this last night where I wanted that music to pop up. It would have completed the circle. And which, which, by the way, let's let's just let let's just get it out there because, like we said, this film is controversial. Let's roll down the line, uh, Matt. On a scale from like it, love it, hate it, what's your opinion of this movie? Hate it. All right, Bird. What about you on a scale of like it, love it, hate it? Uh, like it, love it, hate it. Okay, those are my three options. Uh, I'm gonna go with hate it. All right, Jelly, like it, love it, or hate it. 
you know, I was expecting to wait until the end to blow your minds with my hyperbolic statement on this movie, but what the hell, I'll do it now, and maybe as we uh, record and everything, it'll you'll understand why I'm about to say it, but um, this movie ruined my entire life, so... Uh. <laughs> I think we all felt that pain. <laughs> and and me, myself, I've had many problems with this film over the years, but right now, you know, here we are in the 20th anniversary. I want to say I actually really like this one, so. Well, I, um, <laughs> well, I, the thing is, uh, when you were starting to do 90s, I'm actually kind of the one that came, came to, you, to you with this and said, oh, yeah. You know, now that you're in the 90s, ever think about doing Godzilla? And, and I mean, the reason for that is not only, you know, crossover potential with, you know, getting Matt and I on here and, you know, getting to do something else together. Like, so far, we've only done that Power Rangers episode, uh, the three of us. Right. But also, um, uh, I also happen to know a factoid about you is that you... Uh, are you you have a un a, you're unashamed to s- say that you love things that are '90s pop, right? You know, and this uh, this movie is up there in terms of you know what's the quintessential Hollywood blockbuster of the '90s, and this movie, <laughs> for better or worse, like 98 percent worse. This movie includes pretty much everything that made '90s blockbusters so dumb <laughs> and, and and made them you know not not very good. But I mean, I mean, clearly Roland Emmerich had he was very successful in the '90s. That's when he really rose up. You know, he had been a film professional for a long time, but he really got popular and i would say from the time independence day dropped in like 96 until really the close of the 90s maybe even a little bit into the early 2000s for that like four or five year period like this movie godzilla 1998 is such a perfect snapshot of what every major hollywood studio was trying to make with their big you know summer tentpole films and i mean obviously we'll break it down a little more but i mean this is just a formula that like this one, this one is almost like a parody of that that era and genre and formula. It, it, it's got so many of those uh, mistakes <laughs> and <laughs> things that and bad decisions that it. Yeah, it, it's almost a per, it's a perfect storm of '90s catastrophe is what it is. So Although we, it, this opening act, I don't think is yeah, very bad. I mean, well, they're yeah. essentially following the template of the '54 film for the first. 20 or 30 minutes here well you know we literally had like you know keep in mind and my you know i will be critical of this movie even though i like it you know um there are just some things that are just certain excesses and again that goes into that genre of the time which roland emmerich helped create but the eight minutes opening intro credits you know i like when movies really try to entertain you back then we had the whole backstory of these islands where they're doing nuclear tests and we saw iguanas you know scurrying and and swimming and all that kind of stuff. Like, I gotta ask you this, you, this, you know, you guys, this question as you know, long time. I mean, I want to say lifelong, but I mean, I mean, can we say you all three of you guys are lifelong Godzilla fans? I mean, is that? Oh fair? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as life, I mean, don't you think that that opening thing was kind of like, are you fucking kidding me? Because that whole opening credit, even though it is a really well done cut together credit sequences, like before the movie even properly starts. They kind of demystify the whole origin of this version of Godzilla, right? 
Yeah, uh, I turned it off because yes iguanas. and no. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's a tough like. By this point, what what is Toho had already done that to Godzilla. So like, um, and they had done that in '91 with Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, where they went back and basically showed you his whole origin. So Toho had already done it. So it's not like. It's not like they were doing anything there that that Toho hadn't already done, except the insinuation that Godzilla is a big iguana (laughs) instead of uh, a dinosaur, you know. Um, And that's that's a like it's tough because like they they really hammer this iguana thing home, and they really could they maybe could have just shown a whole bunch of different creatures instead of just iguanas, Mm -hmm. and then like. You know, when guys like people wouldn't be like, oh, he's an iguana. They'd be like, uh, oh, he's just some animal or hey, it's this guy, not Matthew Broderick. The <laughs> this guy, this guy's okay. in like every hair guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's it's a, a yes and a no for me on that goat. Like just to me that like and this is this is where this film really drew my criticism, like literally when it came out, because they were very secretive. Of you know they kept the creature under wraps. So I mean they meant to keep it literally under wraps. The appearance of it until opening day. Some images of some toys or whatever leaked out. But like, yeah, to me just saying, just insinuating that he pretty much is either an iguana or some kind of like komodo dragon or just whatever he's supposed to be. Like, I would think you know because obviously these tests were you know I would gather were supposed to be done in the forties or fifties. These nuclear tests and obviously it was affecting this like habitat and these wildlife. I would think this is something where. Because this Godzilla is so huge and so tall, like, I just don't think, like, he was just, like, one random egg that popped out. I would have think, like, these creatures, if you're going to literally take it from a just a regular animal evolving up to this giant, like, creature, I would think there would have been generations of this thing growing bigger and bigger, right? So, I mean, to me, it's it's almost kind of like a built-in plot hole, like, right away. Like, it makes no sense how... Uh- you know, either just one creature would have been born that would have gained that grow that big, or if like there were generations that grew successful, you know, sequentially. I can tell bigger. you that uh, <clears throat> I can tell you some of that would have been addressed in the sequel that never okay. got made. So yeah, so there was like a Japanese, I guess, fishing boat trawler that got attacked by Godzilla, and now I want to hear your guys' opinion. Uh, Jean Renault gets introduced here as a French Secret Service man who interviews the only survivor, this elderly Japanese man. And they ask him, what did you see pretty much? And he just keeps saying, Gojira, Gojira, Gojira. Now, G-O-J-I-R-A, that is Godzilla's real Japanese name. But it's not pronounced Gojira, is it? Uh, it's go- Gojira, okay. which is, you know, that's more or less what the... I mean, I have my TV muted, but that's what I remember the old man saying. But then, yeah, it's funny because later Maria Patillo shouts, it's Gojira, you moron. Right. And it's <laughs> weird because they really like they keep they cut back like that interchange between the old uh, Japanese man and John Renault. It's supposed to be like it's being videotaped and they show that tape like a couple times throughout the movie. And like I like I remember there being like somewhat of a controversy. People being like, "Well, they don't, you know, Emmerich or whoever it was, like they didn't even know how to pronounce it, or you know." I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did. I thought that would have been more of a controversial point with you guys, but I mean, there's so many controversial points. In this yeah, movie. They, screwing up the name is the least of uh, this film's worries. I think. Speaking of screwing up the name, we just passed what's probably already like the hundredth. 
Tatopolis. Tatopolis. Adamopolis. I don't know what the hell. Tatopolis. You know the one thing that I can say. So, wasn't the isn't the creature designed by uh, Patrick? Patrick. Yeah. So he's he's a very well known, respected creature designer. He's done a lot, a whole lot of movies, whole lot of stuff. So. Do you think that's like that actually happened to him? He's like, "Hey, this guy should be named this," and his, you know, my name is pronounced <laughs> wrong a lot. Like, it had to be, it had to be Emmerich, like whatever, like because I mean, like that's one thing to me that rings kind of the corniest is the nonstop Tatopolis mispronunciation. It's just like, okay, we get like I would have like preferred it would make more sense of say like in the movie there was some government guy who you know, accidentally was responsible for the creation of Godzilla. Then, like, okay, name that guy Totopolis. But just naming some, like, you know, scientist guy and then constantly saying the name over and over and over, it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of painful. And here we have uh, News Radio's Vicky Lewis, uh, who's yeah. about to act like Matthew Broderick is the most attractive man oh, yeah. on earth. Which, which Ferris Bueller era, yeah, but I mean, this is already 10 years later. He's, he's a pretty normal-looking guy at this point. Yeah, know? right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad-looking guy, but he is not like right. – she's looking at him like he's The Rock or something. Well, she kind of has like a nerdy sidekick guy. And I have to say these two characters, her and this nerdy guy, like they are so unnecessary and they're kind of what's wrong with this movie, <laughs> the bloat that exists in this movie. Because I just want to say right now, my biggest criticism of this movie is it's two hours and 20 minutes, and it would have played a lot better with some of these extraneous characters cut out and with just it being a legit straight two-hour movie. I think I think this would have played way better for audiences if it didn't have that extra 20 minutes of bloat and drag in it. Yeah. They yeah. are redeemed in the animated series, those two characters. They're actually important sort of. in the cartoon. Yeah, they're two of the main characters, yeah. So here we have more and more, and this is like another scene that probably could have get cut. They're just helicopters are flying over, tracking, <laughs> yeah, tracking Godzilla's a, footprints. A, I feel like that's one of that's a scene that was just made for like trailers, because you know they didn't want to give the monster away in the trailer, yeah. and it's like what can we show? And it's and here we have oh let's we we can talk about Maria Patillo who yeah. for five seconds was spoken about like the next uh, yeah. it girl, the next big thing. And I did some research, and she was actually uh, about, you know, depending on when they filmed it. Well, they filmed it, like, really right before it came out. So she was, some, she was like, around 31, 32. And, like, yeah, they really talked to her. Like, she was, like, some 20 – at the time, they act like she was some, like, 22, 23-year-old, like, ingenue that was going to, you know. Like, I, I, think I mean, she, I, I, I think she's I, fine. Her, her, her performance in this movie is terrible, but I, I can't help but feel kind of – bad for her you know well, as I, a, I, I kind of feel like too <laughs> yeah i feel like too is like because this movie from a structure wise and from like a cast standpoint i'm a big independence day fan and that's kind of part of why i like this movie as much as i do but i feel like they were trying to clone a lot of the side characters from independence day you know kind of make equivalents of godzilla it's yeah. just like they're like plugging in their formula and there was a lot of like people especially in the first act of Independence Day, who just kind of ran around, panicked, saying jokey one-liners, and and I I, th- I think part of Maria Patillo's, you know, kind of panned acting performance. I don't even think it's really that she's a bad actress. I think that's like what Roland Emmerich wanted. What do you right. What do you guys think about? Well, that 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 just makes her story all the more tragic. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was a bit player. Like, I mean, 
small, small roles and stuff like True Romance and Natural Born Killers. And, you know, you finally get your big break. And what at this point was probably the most hyped Hollywood movie ever. And uh, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> the movie came out and that was it. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> She's cute. Um, but, yeah, her performance boils down to ending every sentence like this. And that's just how she says everything. And it's whether she's sad or happy or confused. She just ends every sentence like that. And it's, it, yeah, it's pretty terrible. But, I mean, she is cute. Like, so I can see why she, it's not like, I can see why she was cast. But In an alternate universe, she became like a... Like the Scarlett Johansson of the 90s or something. <laughs> I think you're cute. <laughs> well, I mean, like, literally Harry... And then she gives him the fuck me eyes. Like. Yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, here we have the, the red-haired lady coming on to math. Where, again, this is another scene I just feel like should have been cut. You know, you gotta know when you're making a movie and it's getting a little bit long. You gotta know what you can cut and what you can't. You know what I mean? And just what is the point of this, you know? <clears throat> I mean, hey, man, I mean, Emmerich after Independence Day yeah. was hot, you know. I mean, yeah. this movie took that heat right right off him, but, <laughs> but I mean. Cooled him down real quick. <laughs> yeah, no he got like a, bl- like a, a essentially blank check, you know. I mean, he was given so much leeway because he was the guy who did Independence Day. And I think he was given like so much like pay himself to do it because the story I always heard was him and. Devlin, who's his writing partner on his, a lot of his movies, I heard that they kept turning this down because they really didn't want to do it. They weren't. Yeah, Godzilla I mean, I don't. And... <clears throat> I don't know if you know you guys want to get into some of the complicated backstory here, but uh... I want to get into it all. <laughs> well, I mean, we. I mean, why? I don't think anything important is going to happen for a while. I will say, no, Jean Renault is doing the lord's work in this movie oh he's he, he and I, god I, there's so many scenes that that are like falling flat and he saves with his presence he and, really does <laughs> matt how do you feel about jean renault in this i love it when he chews gum yeah, yeah. but no he's really <laughs> he he is carrying this movie like i mean he i'm surprised he didn't get like a hernia from carrying every scene that he's in but, uh, but like, but like, right there, he had a scene with Kevin Dunn, who people who don't know that is that's the guy who plays the father in all the Transformers movies. He's like the I like Kevin Dunn. Yeah, I do too, and, and he's good in this too. He's like, he's like the U.S. Army guy, you know, our representative, kind of overseeing this military operation. And um, I just, you know, as a movie, like, you know, when you're setting up stuff, like, I feel like, like. You know, what are we, like, 20 minutes in this movie, and we've had, like, roughly 40 characters thrown at us, and we don't... And I The movie could have opened here. Right. Well, not only <laughs> that, but it's just, there's so many characters being introduced. Like, you kind of, at this point, 20 minutes in, you kind of don't know who's important and who's the side characters, you know what I mean? It's, it's weird. Um, but, yeah, I mean, part of this, the issue with this movie was that it was almost made as a completely different film with Jan de Bont in a completely different script. And Sony TriStar was going through something, uh, geez, uh, astronomical uh, debt, you know, a lot of financial problems. And 
they they would i think debont wanted something like a budget of 120 and they said yeah and they said no we 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 will do it for 100 and then uh, and then they asked everyone i think in hollywood if they wanted to direct and emmerich and devlin turned it down a couple times um they were pitching this kind of a a movie like deep impact or armageddon but since those two movies were already you know in production they didn't they didn't have a movie you know and so eventually they agreed to do this and i mean at this point toho you know they they were still getting you know renewal rights renewals and stuff for the american version but i mean they wanted a movie out at this point they had ended their godzilla series to help you know kind of build this anticipation for this hollywood version and um you know and eventually, you know, when their movie wasn't able to get made, Emmerich and Devlin Emmerich signed on, and Toho released Independence Day in Japan. It made a gazillion dollars, which is why they were kind of desperate to get them on board, and because um, Toho made a lot of money on Independence Day. But um, yeah, and just to put some time frame, this movie ended up, you know, the final movie ended up coming out. Um, 98, like what I read, Bird, was that um, Columbia TriStar started the Toho license like back in 92. They were trying to... Yeah, yeah. Um, Henry Saperstein, who had kind of co-produced in a lot of the Japanese Godzilla movies that had more, um, you know, that had American actors and, you know, he was responsible for getting them out here a little bit. Uh, He always pushed for a Hollywood version and, um, yeah, it was in 92 that... uh, the rights were sold to Sony and, and Emmerich and Devlin Emmerich. It's interesting because they turned the movie down because they felt Godzilla's reputation was too campy. And it's, it's interesting because I think this movie is fairly campy. So, I mean, it's yeah. just a matter of that. I, I just, what, what I don't, I don't think they really knew what kind of movie they should be making. It's, it's the same issue I had with rampage where, you know, the, the filmmakers want to make a serious, movie but they just can't help but you know put in worm guy jokes and yeah like, stuff like that you know? like if you read a lot of comments from uh, emmerich it's just like he thought the whole creature was campy like in terms of like what godzilla looks like that's why he really wanted to come up with this running iguana thing but then he just ended up putting in his own corny stuff like we like just a second ago was that scene of like fishing boats getting pulled underground by uh not underground but underwater and drowned and all the guys are like like uh, Jelly and Matt, like like just you know as a scene onto itself compared to what you normally see in Godzilla movies, like like is that a good scene or is that just like bullshit? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, I guess it's fine. Although, like typically in these monster movies, you see the ships get totally destroyed or ca- catch. Off. I mean, like I'm not going to nitpick the scene of those ships getting getting pulled underwater. That that's fine. But like the you know typical Godzilla thing is Godzilla is going to shoot that thing and blow it to pieces or catch it on fire, which of course this version of Godzilla has no radiation breath to speak of. So it can't do that. Right. Again, that's another thing. uh, Emmerich thought was corny. I was, I mean, and I, on this rewatch or whatever, like I was, and still am like with the movie, like there's some bad acting and some (laughs) camp and some cheesy dialogue and stuff. But like, especially as a 12 year old in 1998, like, this was my jam still, you know, like it was setting up. It was like everything up to this point is fine. 
Um, it's 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 later that the movie goes to shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with Jelly. I mean, I, for the first half an hour, like I'm I'm into it. I'm enjoying the film, and then Godzilla shows up. And once you see your the first glimpse of the creature, that's kind of when I'm like, oh, this is bullshit. I can't. And then for the rest of the movie, I just remember thinking what my because my dad told me as we're walking into the theater, he's like. I hope you're not disappointed. And I should have taken that advice to heart <laughs> because <laughs> as a 12-year-old, I, I walked out just completely crushed. I mean, that's what happens when you're a kid and you have these unrealistic expectations. But, I mean, this movie killed 12-year-old me. I didn't have that experience. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I'm curious about, because I'm a little bit older than you guys, I was actually... Yeah, I was actually 20 when this film was actually released in theaters. So, like, I kind of had the disappointment, and, like, I and I was never, like, a big, big Godzilla fan, but i just seen a few movies, and I knew the character, and I, I was like, oh, cool, they're going to make a, you know, a huge budget Godzilla movie, and I'm like, it just became kind of the Hollywood thing of, like, oh, this is, this is our version of it. This is our interpretation, and, like, it's like, well, nobody wants your fucking interpretation or whatever. <laughs> we want Godzilla, you know? So, well, it's like, and that is, like, Devlin and Emmerich were given a, like, you know, like, and a lot. This happens on a lot of movies. You get that like Bible of like these are the rules that you have to follow. Yeah, yeah. Toho gave them. And, a, I think it was seventy-five or ninety-five like, page Bible. Of every stuff they had to every like rule that Toho had, it they they followed, but they like technically the, followed, but like yeah. did it yeah. in the biggest prick way possible. Yeah, like uh, I can give you a few examples. Uh, one of them is Godzilla can't eat people. So Godzilla doesn't eat people, but the baby Godzillas eat people. Um, Godzilla can't die. Godzilla dies, but the baby, uh, but a baby lives. So technically, you know, there's a living Godzilla. Uh, he has to have a breath weapon. Instead of giving him, you know, his iconic radioactive breath, he has that like uh, hot wind or whatever. Um, <laughs> Fish breath. I don't know. Yeah, force breath is what I think they were calling it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But I mean, you know, people, you know, Godzilla fans are like, oh, the, the, they ruined it. They ruined it. But I mean, people are really not very critical of Toho. You know, this movie had yeah. to get through them. It had to get through their Bible, their rules, their mandates. And it did. Um, and I mean, they were so desperate to make this movie after almost, you know, I mean, they didn't want to let this wait anymore. And they had Emmerich, they had a hot name attached to it and they weren't going to say no, they wanted this movie out. And that's why we have this whole scene was a trailer. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say it's, the, it's awesome. The, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the scene where old man is fishing and then Godzilla is like coming in and creating a tidal wave, which was destroying the pier, which like, I got to say, like, like seeing that now, and, you know, like, you don't want to watch a Godzilla movie and be like, oh, that's fake. But I had a hard time believing that old-ass man was out running was Godzilla. <laughs> Sprinting a marathon away from the monster. Now, I like this scene, too. I was going to say, this I love this. scene has been this. ripped off in many Godzilla movies since, by the way. Yeah, this the way attack he come, yeah. fishing market with, I mean, just how his spines come out of the wall. I mean, even GMK has a scene. Yeah, almost GMK literally exactly, rips it out. Exactly like <laughs> Yeah, I love the sequence, the way he came up over the bridge and all that, and he had boats on his back that were falling and crushing cars. Like, there's so many people that, like, if you just pay attention, even this guy that falls out of the truck that he picks up in his mouth, like, there's so many people that, like, just 
logically hit. And I understand PG-13, you know, kind of cartoony violence, whatever. But look at this. There's no way that, like, anybody <laughs> lived. You know they're I mean? all dead. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all, all dead. Like, because the big thing that, that I wasn't really familiar with in other Godzilla movies, and you guys can correct me on this, but, like, I just wasn't used to, like, Godzilla picking shit up and dropping it on everybody, like, non-fucking-stop the way they do in this movie. Yeah, the 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 fifty four movie has a little more of that, but and eighty five. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot about the Cisco Ebert stuff. Get torched. Oh, yeah. Talk about terrible. stuff that could have just been cut. I mean, how much of this movie would be cut without Cisco Ebert jokes? Well, okay. like for people who are not familiar, like I don't know if Emmerich had antagonistic or like maybe he was criticized by. Oh, he hated because them because of their Independence Day review. Yes, yeah, so- I will. It was because of their Independence Day review That's that I they thought, made yeah. these Siskel and Ebert type characters of the mayor and his assistant within their campaign is thumbs up and thumbs down, and it's it's really just childish. Like, but, but like, well, and Devlin or not Devlin, uh, Siskel and Ebert even were like they were cool with it. They were like they thought it was actually funny until the movie was over, and they're like, wait a minute, we didn't even get like stepped on. Yeah, you know, like they were, they were like, if you're gonna put us in a Godzilla movie because you're pissed at us, like have us get squished, like that's that's the the thing to do. Oh, and uh, um, we, so we had we had Hank Azaria and Harry Shearer, who's also in the background there, and this this uh, this is this lady here is the voice of Bart Simpson. Yeah, lots of Simpsons people. And, and yeah. I, What's I, up with that, by the way? That. Is there a reason why this has so many Simpsons people in it? Other than the Devlin or somebody had to be a fan. but Yeah, because it's not even a Fox movie, though. No. Like, no, no I... <laughs> uh, love watching Barney as Godzilla walks across the screen. Yeah, that was I the think first time where... I just walked by yeah. the window. Yeah, when he walks by the window, that's the first time in that whole sequence where I was kind of like, the special effect's kind of bad, you know? <laughs> yeah, like the, but the rest I mean, of it, I was okay were, with. I didn't have a problem with the fine. effects at the time. Yeah, yeah, at and the time a, they were okay. There's uh, a lot I, of practical effects. I mean, I, I, yeah, there, there's a lot of practical, and as far as CG goes, this for '98, this movie was really ambitious, you know. And I, I mean, and CG was really in its infancy in movies like this. So you know, I, I can admire it for its, you know, aspiration and giving it, you know, really kind of doing the most that they could by it or with it i mean but um but but anyway i i think that uh it's interesting to note that uh some some people that worked on the godzilla series like this movie a lot of prominent people actually um I know Nakano, who did the effects on the 70s movies, liked it. Um, and then uh, I know someone, that, uh, Tom Kitagawa, who played Godzilla in the Millennium movies, uh, is actually a big fan of this film and gets actually gets really defensive of it. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that, that uh, part where she's like, get back here, you retard, that is the fir- one of the very first lines... That you hear in the Japanese trailer, wow. and I don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's a, a misunderstanding with the English, or you know they yeah. they don't have the same concept of the the English word retard, but I I think that's funny. Yeah, I, I have to I have to admit, and you guys can lambaste me if you want, but I love all this Hank Hank Azaria, Tom Fullery trying to get the shots of Godzilla when he always gets stepped on, but it's like that thing again of like too many characters in this movie. 
all you had to do was make Azaria be the cameraman for Maria Patillo, you know, trying to do her news reports, trying to help them. Just have them be co-workers, but instead they throw in a third character who, like, is just, like, Hank Azaria's girlfriend, who I guess also works at the station. But it's, like, there's too many loose, inconsequential to the plot or, or just anything. There's too many characters in this movie. Like, like that's my yeah. main thing, because, like I said, like... I like this movie, and, I, and, like, just the whole last ten minutes is kind of my favorite part of this movie, and I want to see, like, more of the good stuff, but it keeps, it, it's kind of like how Michael Bay, like, you pay to see a Transformers movie, and you get two and a half hours of people talking that you don't even care about, and then you get, like, just a little bit of Transformers fighting. Like, I feel like Michael Bay must have been heavily influenced by this movie, and I'm not saying this movie had to be all Godzilla attacking and shit, but again, with all the act, like, like that's it's like what um, all the that's what uh, the old uh, the old uh, if for people that watch Monster Vision, the old host Joe Bob Briggs would call there's too much story in the way of the plot. <laughs> and the like, plot is monsters. And, and by the way, like I don't mind movies that introduce tons and tons of characters if. Oh, we got more. We got Here's all these another character, yeah. Yeah, more characters coming. But I mean, I don't. Here we have Doug Savant from Melrose Place, and like, yeah, like we really need him in here. But um, <laughs> but I just feel like I like I don't mind you introducing dozens of characters if a lot of them are going to die, or if they're germane to the plot somehow. But like, like how did you know when 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 Dean Devlin wrote this script? Like he literally had to be coming up with like entire characters new characters just to say like one or two extra lines you know what i mean like it's just i don't know it's weird <laughs> well go i don't think you've seen it but tom and uh matt that that reminds us of a certain recent godzilla movie too doesn't it yeah the shin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there's like a thousand characters in that movie. And not only that, but each one gets an on-screen text telling you their name and job occupation. <laughs> and every time they go into a new meeting, they tell you the name of the meeting. And most of these people you don't see more than that one scene. But, but oh, they... and, and a lot of them get promoted throughout the movie due to other people dying. And so every time they get promoted <laughs> or their or their job title changes, they tell you that what their new job title is. <laughs> Uh, that movie is the worst. So uh, we're talking about Shin Godzilla, which came out about two years ago for the yeah you know, so the, that was the not Godzilla super fans. Twenty sixteen. Well, I I mean, um, let's get nostalgic here. Um, I think the best thing about this movie, and ironically, the thing that made it. A bomb, essentially, is the extremely expensive and, for the time, groundbreaking uh, marketing campaign. Yeah, we got to talk about that. I, I don't even think for the time. I, there's there's never been a marketing campaign like that since. Like, since. And it's, <laughs> I think since. there's a reason for that. But well, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Honestly, the marketing campaign is what... I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I'm speaking as 32-year-old me talking thinking as 13 year old me but i i mean i i knew this wasn't a very good movie and i knew this wasn't you know the, the version of godzilla that i wanted to see but i think part of the reason why i didn't walk away with that crushing like heartbreak that matt did is because the marketing i i mean either the the movie's marketing never slowed down and it was always 
something to be swept up in, even after the movie came out. After the movie came out, they did another wave of it where they started using the creature on on things. And yeah, then, finally they're like, okay, here uh, he and, is. Yeah, and it, it was just so much fun to be a part of that. That on, I, The quality of the movie wasn't so much on my mind. It was, it was like, secondary. wow. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I got into Godzilla in probably 91, and, you know, all those years it was this thing that was considered old and obscure and, you know, nobody you, you try to get other kids in school into it and they don't know what you're talking about. And suddenly it's literally everywhere you turn around there's Godzilla something, Godzilla billboards, Godzilla toys, Godzilla books. And it was just something, it was just so exciting to be swept up in that that, you know, I, yeah. I, was, I, I was happy to take the movie and- at that point. And this this movie's marketing campaign and all of that stuff. I mean, this movie kicked off like the Heisei films getting released in America and and like you said, all those books and everything. All of that stuff is like people our age and even a little bit younger and probably older, too. Um, But like, you know, I'd say the cutoff is maybe like someone who probably was uh, eight or nine when this movie came out. So, you know, and they're in their late twenties, early thirties. Now that's what they, everyone like for some reason expects when a new Godzilla movie is coming out, they're like, Oh, I can't wait for the marketing campaign. And then like when the marketing campaign is like just every other marketing campaign that you get in 2018, which is like, let's push for two months until the movie comes out and then get our big opening weekend and then drop it. And then that's it. Like that, everyone gets pissed off and it's like well this this movie's like a yeah okay the marketing was fun this movie's yeah. a cautionary tale on why they don't do that anymore right right um, and, but and but yeah no i i completely agree in that like looking back on it yes this marketing campaign and everything about the marketing campaign for this movie uh this is where i'm going to start elaborating on this movie ruining my life um <laughs> This is the the last time that I was so ridiculously swept up in an ad campaign. Oh. You know, the, the his foot is as big as this bus. His eye is as big as this window. His, I mean, that that was everywhere. That was actually my favorite. Was the bus ads that said his yeah. foot is as big as this bus. That really kind of like widened my eyes and captured my attention. You know. Yeah. I guess I guess for me what I w- I was trying to say earlier is that I didn't like this movie when it came out I didn't like the movie for the movie I liked it for the atmosphere it had created Right. It had it had made this it had made Godzilla into a phenomenon that I never thought would have been possible a and then and then af- and then shortly after that the animated series came out which was just excellent unto itself and that kind of you know made the movie a little easier to swallow a little bit um well here's a great running joke you cause this coffee <laughs> this coffee is shit <laughs> <laughs> the uh, ad that i remember the most is the the, the kids in the museum and godzilla's foot comes over yeah. the t-rex skeleton and crushes it because that's, oh, that's I, off, the, off of uh, the Lost World, because that came out in '97. Yeah, and then the trailer played in front of I think Men in Black. Yeah, Men in Black. I, I, well, two things. First of all, Matt, that that teaser trailer that Matt talked about. Yeah. This is I, I, I mean, we're in a little bit of a lull, so I'll I'll go ahead and just I think 
First of all, my story with that is I had gone to see Men in Black. Uh, this is before we had the internet. You know, internet was probably just starting to hit homes. And, you know, this is before you could be like, oh, this trailer is playing in front of this? Cool. Like, I mean, you didn't get that. You know, and I had known from, you know, reading the G fans and, and, and stuff, you know, hey, there is going to be a big American Godzilla movie. But that's it. You know, I mean, you I know, I would, <laughs> that they would report, oh, this actor signed on, you know, this guy's directing, et cetera, et cetera. But I remember going to see Men in Black. And when that trailer came on, like, I mean, I still, first of all, that I don't know if it's on the DVD or not, but... um. If you watch that trailer, I still to this day think it's one of the best teaser trailers ever. Um, you're but talking I, about, I, you're talking about where he smashes the T Rex skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like uh, I, I read that they filmed that like just as a teaser. They gave Emmerich six hundred thousand dollars just to film that teaser. Yeah, yeah, man, it was crazy. And then um, there was like a it was like twenty seconds, like a New Year's uh, teaser that came on with uh, the finale of Seinfeld. And that uh, well, that was several million dollars right there for that tiny little spot. But, but yeah, that museum trailer, I just remember as a kid, as a huge Godzilla fan, that trailer just blew me away. I mean, you don't know what you're watching. You see a giant foot step on a T-Rex, and, all it, and then you see the, the camera pans up and you see the tail, and then it just Godzilla, the words in giant green letters and that's it. And then like, I mean, I could have died the happiest kid in the world. <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> then, I think all of us. <laughs> and then not, and then not only that, but right after that, you know, men in black get started and there was a tornado warnings that like there's flash floods around where this theater that I'm in and the power went out and we all had to go home and I didn't even care. You know, I, when I went home, I wasn't thinking like, I mean, I was enjoying Men in Black, but I wasn't thinking like, man, I, God, I want to go finish the movie. I was thinking like, I want to go back and finish the movie just so I can watch that trailer again. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, that was, that was the glory days of like. How like, many fucking yeah, helicopters? I, I went, <laughs> yeah, so many hey. helicopters searching for God's. We should mention for people not watching it. Uh, this movie also influenced. This movie also apparently influenced Jordan Vote Roberts. Oh yeah, I like how they're all all these helicopters are searching in the exact same part of the city. Like that shot right there is like the helicopters are like twelve feet apart. Like what is, you know, like spread out a little bit, guys. Like actually search. Like you, know, you know what I mean? You don't need a heli- You don't need forty helicopters flying in a formation like ten feet apart from each other. But that that trailer though, like yeah. I... I had I had no idea a big American Godzilla movie was coming because I had no internet and I didn't read G Fan like I didn't have mo- I didn't have money to be spending on like G Fan and 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 all that kind of stuff growing up. So you it was like you weren't living that bougie life like me. Yeah, not yeah. <laughs> um, but so like I had no idea and I went and saw a movie. I guess it was Men in Black, but I mean you know I went and saw a movie in the theater and that was the first time I like heard about this movie and yeah, it, it blew me away. And, uh, and yeah, I, I could not have been more excited. I could not have been more into this movie's ad campaign. I was unflinchingly blindingly excited for this movie with no, no reservations, no thought of, Hey, maybe it won't be good. Like there, it was just, 
pure, unadulterated excitement. And, uh, and, and even still like up, I'm with, you know, rewatching it now, like, like goats saying like, yes, it's, it's slow. Um, we, we should have gotten, we should be, we should be a good, like 10 to 15 minutes further (laughs) in the action than we are right now. But like the first time I was watching this movie in theater, I was like, still like, Oh my God, this is so good. I can't wait to see what's going to keep happening. You know, like. So it's it's all pretty okay for for a bit. Well, it's, it's like, going to go downhill in a minute here, no, but I will well, say up until this point, uh, I actually do think they've been doing a very good job of the the old reveal. You know, a little bit of the monster at a time. Up, yeah, yeah, kind of and, and draw out the suspense and build the tension. Like, yeah, it's all. Yeah, for That's me, a lot of fish. For me, it's just the extra. There's the two extra scientists. It's, it's Cisco and Ebert because the mayor. Even though I mean, obviously, you would think the mayor of New York would be involved with stuff going on, you know, because it's the Godzilla's tearing up New York City and all that. But I mean, he's really he, he, has, he has no authority. Like nothing he does is consequential to the plot. And like they introduced Doug Zavant as kind of like the leader of the the grunt troops that are on the ground. But like I really feel like, just all the scenes should have been between just Broderick and Kevin Dunn. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Yeah. They just it's just too many you know characters that like, like and and, and I don't I'm not saying like make it dumb and have it just be action on stuff. I enjoy this slow build that's going up. It's just like I said, too many characters and scenes that are just inconsequential. Yeah. You know? And then you know, and then too, like this is where we you know. In hindsight, you start getting into the movie's problems. Um, like by by making him an animal. I mean, this is something that that you don't really think about, but making Godzilla an animal and not a monster and a biological animal that you have to explain is where goat. You start talking about you talked about like oh, by making him an iguana, you kind of introduce a plot hole, you know, right away. You introduce a whole lot of plot holes. Like if he's a monster and he's just this radioactive monster and you don't get into his biology, then you don't have to think about like he would have already hunted the oceans dry, you know, like he would have he would. It's impossible for a creature like this to exist if he's a an animal versus just some. Well, I I mean that's I mean that right there is the problem with this interpretation is that they said we don't want we want to treat we want to do a version of Godzilla as if he were a real creature. What would a real Godzilla be like? What would it, like the real life version of Godzilla, what would it be like? It would have right. to reproduce somehow. It would have to do all this. And when you start asking those questions, you're, you know, it's like that rampage thing again, where it's, you're you're trying to base these. You can't crazy, ever come up with enough answers. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> and you're trying to base these crazy, fantastic creatures in reality, and they simply don't work. You know, they're not interesting that way. You know, Ray Harryhausen never, you know, showed us how his monsters, you know, reproduced. And I mean, you know, there's a reason that monster movies are monster movies. And and, you know, I think Emmerich, I think this is him. Can I just say, I didn't even know what the hell I was looking at the first time I saw this movie. <laughs> this, this is some yeah. of the, the worst CG in the movie right here, I think. Yeah, this is when it's really bad. 
Like, like I like the camera angle, and, and like I really liked his body, the way it looked when he he burrowed up out of the ground. But yeah, like once your eye kind of focuses and settles on what you're seeing, it it, it kind of does, you know. I mean, there's just a lot of bad CGI in this movie. We just gotta oh, yeah. be honest about that, you know. Like this looks okay, but I think this is the practical head. Yeah, once is it goes it? to the, the like kind of the profile shot here. Yeah, this yeah, is. Yeah, this definitely. is the practical head, and that looks fine. But and this is also where uh, Ken Satsuma, who played Godzilla in the '90s movies, left the theater. Really? He, li- <laughs> he for real. He got up and walked out. And when people said, "Hey, well, why did you leave the movie?" He said, "I don't know." He pretty much said, "That's not. I don't know what that is, but it's not he, Godzilla. That's not." He said our it monster. didn't have the. Yeah, he said it didn't have the spirit of Godzilla or something like that. I, I think that's a. Yeah, it's I, interesting. I don't, I don't like how he like belches in Roderick's face. It's too crude. Yeah. There's no. There... I, what do you think of the little <laughs> fish? Uh, the little fish uh, icon on the screen there. Yeah, that's right very, there. That's very. <laughs> again, it, no, it's too. It's too campy to have the real Godzilla. But well, let's put a fucking two bit graphic of a. Yeah, you know, Godzilla. Not only that, but... Isn't uh, Savant like the worst military anything yeah. ever? He's just incredibly incompetent. I can't. He has no sense right. of agency. And, and <laughs> what I don't like, see, like here, like when the soldiers see him and see how big he is, there's like that wow factor, and it's trying to bring that majest, you know, majestic feeling of like this grand creature back all of a sudden. But that was after he just like kind of like belch puked in Broderick's face. Like you can't. You can't, yeah, well, I, you can't I, mix this, the the goofiness with like the Jurassic well, Park. All yes, and well, yeah, the, the, this music gives it away what they're trying to replicate here. They're trying to well, replicate the Spielbergian, you know, sense of wonder that you know the first dinosaur appearances shot. in Jurassic Park have. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's poorly. Not just that. It's, it's like they don't they don't settle on a on a tone ever. You know, like they don't they don't know what he is oh like, here, here we have another goofy uh there you go we need big but, but you know they have their they have their their sentimental look at the grandeur of this but like it, it lacks that jurassic park like moment of yes it's it's grand but like shouldn't ever happen type of thing you know like there, yeah. there's no there's not enough like i don't know is it consequences or something you know like it it, it lacks that that yeah. sort of uh, that serious bit, but and yet at the same time it tries to have it, and it, it never quite lands on the right tone, and it never. I agree. You know, it never picks which which one it wants to be. Godzilla is never a, a hero or a menace or even an anti-hero. He's just this this kind of thing. And Here we have the cop out. Uh... Fire breath coming here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, I don't know if you heard them like explain it, but they were like, uh, "It's like hot breath, and it causes the like, cars to crash and cause an explosion." It's methane. It's like they based it on uh, these beetles that exist in real life that like can um, actually like they breathe out methane and they can like create a little elect- electric spark with their antenna or something and like actually. Pfft, poofed a little bit of fire um and that's what they like based it on so it's like it's supposed to be like breathing out methane and it like the fire that's already from those cars like blows up more a minute ago i will say we had some pretty nice exploding miniatures yeah they're because they got the um a lot of the same team and did the special effects from um 
Independence Day. So there are some good miniatures in terms of like the buildings and stuff that blow up and you know. I always thought this was strange too that these like Apache helicopters are having like a dog fight with Godzilla. How is he standing on buildings like that? Yeah. Godzilla doesn't destroy things in this man. The military does. That's that's that how this true. movie works. And, that, and that's that's the ultimate problem with this version of Godzilla is that it never to me it doesn't look like Godzilla, but beyond that, it never acts like Godzilla. It runs from the you know runs from the military. It you know it hides. It doesn't really go out of its way to destroy stuff when it need when it needs to, or even just by being there. Like the military is actively wrecking the city. Godzilla is just avoiding stuff. Right. T bone. Yeah. T bone uh, blew up the Chrysler building. Yeah, T bone. Good job, T bone. <laughs> yeah, the, the pilots of the helicopters they have stickers on their helmets, though they're goofy <laughs> Top Gun esque. I think the. I think the Chrysler building was actually a, a a running gag in the animated series, if I remember correctly. Really? Yeah, maybe. Oh, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Um, uh, it came from beneath the sea. The the Harry. I, I might be wrong. It might it might be like a completely different movie or something that was. At this time, like the Chrysler building got destroyed in this movie. It got destroyed in Armageddon. It got destroyed in like something. Like the Chrysler building was like the most iconic destroyed landmark in New York City for a while. Um, and it, it was either the the animated series for this, or I'm just thinking of something completely different, where they were finally starting to like repair the Chrysler building, and like Godzilla came by and like swatted it down again. Like, wow. um, it was like a bit of a running gag almost in the animated series. Uh, Bird, um, Bird, isn't the Chrysler building? Am I remembering right? the Chrysler building is where Q the winged serpent nest? Or yeah. Where? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> uh, so, crap, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, speaking of, because they showed a, it came from beneath the sea on that TV. Um, if you look at, uh, you know, the Emmerich and this Devlin interview. makes no sense, by the way. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, if you look at the Emmerich and Devlin interviews, they say, you know, they tried watching Godzilla movies and they gave up. They were going to they tried to watch all the movies in the series and they were like, I just don't get it. It's dumb. But uh, they they were they were big fans of, you know, Irwin Allen and H. Uh, um, well, H.G. Wells, but um, um, George Pell and, uh, you know, Ray Harryhausen more. They're more into the American B movies, which I think this movie really tries to replicate. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it's, that's the thing. It, it can't decide if it wants to be a '50s throwback or you know a real science thing, or it doesn't know what it wants to be. But uh, that was just my. The point I'm leading up to here is that a lot of people say this guy's this movie name is, is Snooze. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say that this movie uh, is more a remake of The Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms than Godzilla, and. Uh, woo, especially this scene that cannot be more true. Uh, I know Matt and I just watched Beast not too long ago for an episode of the, the podcast, and there are scenes in this, uh, in the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms that are just lifted directly for this sequence right. from him coming, going from one end of the building to the other, him, uh, you know, coming out and attacking the, the, the the fishing market i mean so much of this is beats from 20,000 fathoms it's it's almost like shameless really no i like this though when he comes and hugs up on the building like i think that's like yeah. one of the few kind of you know for this creature the iconic shots for this creature you know oh yeah and he, even as a again as a you know going back to my first viewing and then that's a that's honestly like a 
a good sequence now watching it, you know, like it's, it's got a a lot of great choreographed staged action to it. I mean, the, the part with the Godzilla hiding behind the building and stuff like that makes no sense. Um, but you know, that's all good. And like, I was still with the movie. It's, it's, I was struggling with the design at this point, but like, I was still like, Oh, this is like a lot of, here's where the movie begins to go like off the rails. Like we had, we had all that, like it was great action. And now we, I think nothing happens for like the next 45 minutes. Does it like, yeah, yeah. yeah, We're an hour in and we have an hour and 20 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, this is where you get into like your big problem of never choosing a tone and, you know, Godzilla's not, he's not a hero. He's not a villain. He's not even an anti-hero. He's just this kind of thing that exists, but there's also no like real threat from him. And so it's that difference between like in the 54 movie, because in the 54 movie and in a lot of Godzilla movies, he's only on screen for a little bit. And most of the time he's off screen and people are like, where is he? Well, in those other movies where he's off screen and people are like, where is he? There's, uh, you either do or do not want him to show up. And the tension is all built around that. Um, you know, like in the 54 movie specifically, you don't want him to show up because he's going to show up. He's going to destroy the city. Like it's all built around that, like huge destruction sequence in like 2014, for example, you do want him to show up because there's the other bad monsters, The Mutos are out there and you know, like it's all built around having him show up to stop them in this. It's like, if he shows up, they're just going to kill him. And if he doesn't, he's just going to hide and not destroy anything. And so it's like, it's just boring. There's no tension built around it. You know, there's no there's there's no reason to care whether or not he shows up again. Sure, well, there he, is. Uh, he's going to get a pregnancy test. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, well, here we just have they're slamming on the brakes to attempt character development, and you know, getting into this backstory of these these two. You know, star-cross lovers. Right, <laughs> and it's just it's this is not an interesting well, not only that, human but, but element. <laughs> it, it's really not done that well. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I like Broderick. I, I don't mind Patilla too much. So like, I don't mind these scenes being in the movie per se. But I really agree with. Uh, I read some stuff where Dean Devlin said one of his big mistakes. Well, first he said the first big mistake was like how you guys are talking about. They didn't kind of anthropomorphize whatever Godzilla. Like, they didn't make him a good guy. They didn't make him a bad guy. He just was an animal. And he said the other mistake was normally in this type of movie, you would set up all the characters in the first act. And he said, and that's kind of my problem, too, where they're just throwing all these characters at you in the first act. And you don't know who's the main character or not. He said, you know, instead of setting the characters up in the first act, we did it throughout the movie in the second act. And I, and I think that's what leads the sum of this bloat besides all the extra characters it was like all this yeah. stuff could have been established way earlier because now Godzilla's on the loose we've seen well him, you know you we've know, seen him attack thing. twice why why do we want this now you know well you know another thing and this I mean this is another thing that can be you can kind of place the blame on the the marketing strategy of hide the monster is uh I read the uh Devlin said one of the biggest mistakes they made was uh, this is, I think, to this day, the only movie they've made where they didn't do test audiences. Yeah. Because they were so secretive. 
And he said, if if we had done test audiences, we probably would have come up with a better movie. We probably would have been able to cut a lot of the stuff that didn't work. But I mean, uh, Toho and TriStar, everyone was so insistent on not um, giving away anything that they didn't do test audiences. And so the the cut of the movie that came to theaters is the cut of the movie that it's like the rough cut kind of yeah we're we're essentially watching a rough cut and and i can't i i think that they're onto something i think that this movie probably could have lost about at least 20 minutes if they had tested it yeah and there was another recent um movie it was very controversial and i just I want to pull the dick move here and bring this comparison up. There is another recent controversial, big popular movie. And I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about where they literally, they made the movie with the first draft of the script. Uh, they kept it because of the secrecy. They didn't do whatever. It ended up being the longest movie in the franchise. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to pose this question. Not, Are you talking about Star Wars? Yes. I'm going to pose this question. To <laughs> I you. thought Tom has, has forbidden you from ever talking about Star Wars. Well, I just want to pose this question to you guys because this came screaming back to my brain rewatching this movie and thinking about the controversies because I made peace with this Godzilla 98 movie, but I, I definitely get why more hardcore Godzilla. Like, why? Like, why did wait? Hold on. Why did he label his tape top secret? Because it's top secret. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like. So I'm going to just pose this, and I want I want you to hear all your guys' reactions to this. Is I feel like a lot of the criticism that was ducked or dodged or slapped away from Last Jedi was basically, you know, could be applied to this movie very directly. Someone could easily say, you know, well, Roland Emmerich is subverting expectations with this film. Roland Emmerich. Uh, fans of this movie would <laughs> would have said that. Uh, you could say Roland Emmerich. You know, this the Godzilla was a long running series. Roland Emmerich was trying to, you know, leave the past in the past and move forward into a you know a new direction. Uh, you could easily say, you know, Roland Emmerich was was trying to take this thing that had been this cult phenomenon. And broaden the audience, like where Star Wars really their number one goal right now, and it's no secret the producers want a more female audience to the point where they kind of have a burn rate philosophy that they're willing to burn off the old fans. And I there's think, a somewhat morbid. There's a somewhat morbid part of me that wonders, um, although I don't actually wonder, uh, what the fandom would think of this movie if it were similar. Um, but done by Toho. Uh, we saw that with Shin Godzilla, and, and we know the you know, answer like, to because that. a lot of a lot of what people, um, a lot of what hardcore Godzilla fans raged on this movie for were like, you know, things that things that definitely bother me as a Godzilla fan, but like as just a person who. That's re- that's some bad CG in there. Oh, and then also he's completely silent, which is fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> As he burrows through the earth, he's completely but like, silent. you know, it's it's stuff that I got over 
pretty quick and was like, okay, well, let me just try to watch this movie as a movie. Um, you know, it's like Godzilla's not a dinosaur anymore. He doesn't look like Godzilla. He, you know, can be hurt by weapons. He doesn't, you know, all these things that like, and then it's like Shin Godzilla comes along and he started as like a microbe and, you know, he's this oozy pile of like disgusting flesh and, uh, Hideki Anno wanted him to like fart to fly and like, you know, all this stuff. It's like, it's, and these, and these same people who raged against this movie, um, for these kind of complaints, love Shin Godzilla for those exact reasons where they're like, Oh my God, it's so different. It's so unique. It's, it's so, you know, I guess I have to readjust my definition of what makes Godzilla Godzilla and all these things. And you're like, well, it's, it's just so weird because, um, yeah, I've long maintained that, you know, yeah, I can watch it as not a Godzilla movie, but that, it's still a shitty movie. <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, strip away the fanboy stuff out of that, and okay, what what was Roland Emmerich doing with this, and what was Anno doing with that? I mean, let's take a look at these two directors. Neither of them really wanted to make a Godzilla movie, you know. So they just made the movie they wanted to make with the Godzilla title. I mean, Anno. It's not that he didn't like Godzilla, but he 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 was more he's more into Ultraman and the hero stuff. And Shinji Higuchi had to beg him multiple times to make Shin Godzilla, just like Emmerich was had to be begged multiple times to do this. And I think both of those guys, if you have to draw a similarity there, were like, I don't really want. I'm not interested in making a Godzilla movie. I'm interested in making a Spielbergian disaster monster movie, or I'm interested in making this uh, call to arms for the Japanese, you know, military and, you know, uh, this Slot criticism monster. of the, the <laughs> Japanese uh, constitution. And I mean, that's what those guys did. They, they did not make Godzilla movies. They didn't, and they didn't want to. Yeah, because like you, you heard a lot with Star Wars people saying like, well, you're a fan and you have certain, I guess, wishes and expectations of where you want the series to go, but you're not allowed to criticize it now because this is the direction they went and like you just kind of have to accept it. You can't, you're not allowed basically to criticize the movie for what you wish it was. And like I have it's to like say JFK like... in that shot. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that's kind of bullshit because you can't, Put your hand out and say like, "Oh, we want Godzilla fans to come give us their money," but then not expect Godzilla fans to give you their honest opinion afterwards. You know what I mean? I mean, the difference is, I do think Ryan Johnson wanted to make a Star Wars movie, where these other these guys are just, "I want to make, I want to do something else, and I'll work around the parameters of Godzilla." But what what do you what do you guys think? And uh, Matt, I want to know what you think because uh, you you really it seems like. Like, out of the three of all you guys, it seems like Matt hates this version the most. What do you think in terms of, um, basically, like, Roland Emmerich, do you think it's an ego thing where he had to do, quote-unquote, his version of Godzilla? I mean, like like Bird kind of alluded to, he's on record as stating, like, they didn't want to make the movie. And when you have that sort of, like, they're, they don't, first of all, they couldn't make it through the series or really give any respect to the, to the series at all. I and mean, when you have that kind of mentality going in, 
then you just kind of shit on the character and just do what you want. I don't know if that's his ego or if that's just, hey, I don't like this one thing. You're making me do it. Okay, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it exactly my way and, and not pay any homage to the original series at all. Like That's kind of the problem with this movie. Um, and also getting back to the whole Star Wars thing, I always feel like just because you subvert something doesn't mean that's a good or bad thing. It's just a thing. Like I you agree. subverted. Okay. Like what, what the hell? That's not a, that's not a, a quality of, of being good or bad. It's just, okay. You subverted somebody's expectations. Um, and yeah, I, I do absolutely hate this rendition of Godzilla. And one thing that bothered me sort of about, uh, fan bases sometimes is if you look at Godzilla 2014, there was a contingent of fans, a very vocal contingent that were like, oh, Godzilla shouldn't have gills, which he has in the 2014 movie. Well, guess what? Toho made Shin Godzilla, where he like bleeds out of his gills at one point in the movie. So like, no one had a problem with that. And Tom is in Bird are right on the money. Like, if Toho made this movie, there would be a large group of people that probably would like it because Toho did it. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where i mean with with the the stuff with the gills i mean it was some of the same it, the exact same people like down to the individual who who were who wavered on that when shin godzilla came out and and shin godzilla also to draw more like parallels to the last jedi a lot of its defenders were in the it it subverted this it broke this ground it you know and i mean okay that's like Matt said, that's just a, a thing. It, it's not a good or a bad. It's just yeah. a thing, and it's you like there there needs to be more than just brownie points for it. I, right. And I guess I guess it'll it'll take time until we get you know further down the line to see if those arguments will um, shift uh, to what the peop, you know the general kind of argument of the people who like this movie has shifted to, which is, well, people will tell you, as long as you don't consider it a Godzilla film, it's a, it's a good monster movie. Um, again, I, I, I still go back. To I don't agree main, with that. Yeah. My main no. point. Well, and, I, and that's, I still go back to my main point of, you know, with him not being good or bad. Um, all of this stuff here is just boring. Um, and, and this is just, just boring. And it's, it's, been going on for like what three four hours already um <laughs> and uh we have an hour left somehow i don't <laughs> yeah but, and, but like you know going back to the, like the whole thing i wonder i was just gonna say i wonder if that's you know like in the future if people go oh shin godzilla as long as you don't consider it's a godzilla movie you know it's you know i don't know if that'll happen with with uh, with Star Wars, with with the Last Jedi, but I I almost wonder if, you know, like, because if Abrams ends up making something more conventional, and uh, and and even if Ryan Johnson ends up, you know, with his trilogy making like more conventionally Star Wars movies, if people are like, oh, if you just consider the Last Jedi sort of this one off, it's much more enjoy. I wonder if you know, and it'll take time before we see whether or not that happens. Um. We're in a little bit of a lull. Say something, but I cut him off. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was I was just going to kind of come back to like the thing. Kind of lost my train of thought a little bit, but but it like I think a lot of the criticism. It just you know like I don't mean to just bring up Star Wars just so we can sit around and talk for Star Wars for 20 minutes, but so much of what I heard of criticisms of people who even like the Last Jedi, but their nitpicks, 
it was more kind of the nitpicks I had with this movie, like where you were saying, you're like, this stuff here, this stuff here is boring. Like, I feel like so much of The Last Jedi's problems, even from people who immediately like it, and this movie's problems, it's like that. It's like that first draft of the script, uh, the, you know, the, uh, like generally with these big movies, you, you work on them up until the last second. Like Last Jedi was in the can for three months before, you know, like there was no fine tuning because there was no test audiences. And I feel like both movies, it's just such a weird mirror kind of image because both movies have this problem where there's a lot of bloat and a lot of unnecessary character stuff. And like generally, like with these movies, because you're not tr- even though you, even though you know you're making a movie that is going to get people to buy tickets, you know, because they want to see a big monster. Basically, you know, you still have to make a movie, so you write all these extra characters and stuff. But that's all the shit that gets cut out during the the test screening process. And and the test screening process isn't always like super evil in terms of like dumb people you know they they pick dumb people off the street from a mall and they tell you if your movie sucks or not like yeah that does suck when that happens but sometimes just for the filmmakers themselves can sit in the the audience and feel because because it's one thing like when you're sitting on your editing bay and you're on a little thing it's another thing to sit in a big theater with a bunch of people you can feel the characters that are not important anymore that you can slice out and, and yeah. give the the film yeah. a better pace and oh like, yeah you 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 gotta do tests yeah. you know you you really do i i mean um yeah even if you're not gonna like even if you know like a test audience is like oh we hated the ending and i feel well, that, that that's the ending of the movie right. you know like like you can you could buff out the middle and and stuff you know like 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 you said you sit there and you get the feel for god if you were watching this movie with with an audience all of this stuff here you'd be like man the audience just like died in the you know after the after that second little attack well <laughs> the first big attack but the second attack the audience just went into a, a damn coma because that's i'm talking more because i'm struggling to stay awake right now guys like (laughs) um awful (laughs) well now that we are in a little bit of a lull let's uh, i mean we talked about how exciting the marketing was but should we talk about why it was also what doomed (laughs) this movie before it was even released not just the movie but entire like it ruined a toy making company (laughs) let's talk about because usually you know with these blockbusters we all know the great fortunes that were made by kenner off of the star wars license but but let's mm-hmm. tell that story of this company called well Trend it's Masters. it's well yeah well uh, i mean it's really just the, the as clever as the marketing campaign was it, when it were really ramped up was when um they didn't do test screenings but they they were showing it to you know people that worked at tristar and you know they marketing people and executives and they right right there the you know they were like uh like they knew they had they did not have like this movie should have been the not the new independence day you know independence day was huge same guys um people forget how massive independence day was you know it was it was insane but and you know, people at the studio started to see it and they were like, ooh. So, I mean, normally this is where these days, you know, they would probably just kind of back off the marketing a little more and kind of just ease it into theaters. But uh, in 1998, with a movie this big, 
being developing a reputation at the studio for being a stinker their solution was to pour an additional 50 million or so dollars into the marketing uh, so at this point, it has gone way beyond the budget that Jan de Bont wanted for his his movie, uh, which he's still to this day. Is he alive? <laughs> I don't know if he is alive. He's still <laughs> upset about it. I yeah. know, he, oh, I know yeah, that he even wrote like an article about uh, it was called like the one thousand the hundred million dollar mistake. I think it was. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean. At this point, it had exceeded the budget that they said no to for that original version, yeah. and um, and and you know part of that was all these tie-ins. You know, you had the taco, you had Taco Bell, KFC. I mean, clothes. I, I mean, all kinds of merchandise included in that was the action figure line, uh, which was done by Trendmasters, who had, had held the Godzilla license for a few years at that point. Um, but they were like and, a smaller company, right? Yeah, and they did, you know, some they other stuff. They were toys they did, from the Heisei Godzilla movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they, they put out they, some Gamera stuff. Yeah, they put out some Gamera stuff. They put out some Tarzan stuff. I think they had uh, Polly Pocket and um, what was the boy version? There was a cartoon. Mighty Max was it Mighty Max? I don't know. But uh, they had a few lines, you know, not you know GI Joe or Transformers level, but they had some successful lines. And um, but yeah, one of the they had the Godzilla license, so naturally they picked up the license for this movie. And the thing was, I mean, I I don't know if you guys remember when every movie that came out had toys, but I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was months before the movie you could go into Toys R Us wherever and buy toys. Like the um, mummy with Brendan Fraser, a lot of people don't remember. There was a toy line for that. Yeah, but like I remember, like oh, Lost World, Jurassic Park. I had yeah. some of those toys, like a couple months before the movie came out. Starship um, Troopers had toys, right? Yeah, and and but part of this whole hide the monster marketing thing mandated that they couldn't sell any toys of Godzilla until after the movie had come out. Right. And they could only sell toys of the human characters, and that was like a month before the movie came out. So you're thinking, you know, big action figure line on the par of, you know, movie lines like Jurassic Park or, you know, um, uh, you know, the Star Wars special editions. But you couldn't buy them until after the movie came out. And so after the movie came out, nobody wanted the toys. Yeah, because the movie wasn't <laughs> hot anymore. The movie kind of... <laughs> right, and, 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 and so... Just I mean, to uh, back up what you said, Bird, I looked at the box office Independence Day worldwide gross like 100... I'm sorry, 800... Yeah, 817 million. This movie did like... Is, that's a lot for today. Back but, in 94, yeah, whenever Independence Day came out, that is a fortune. And and this movie grossed like three seventy something, three seventy yeah. some change worldwide, which I and mean it was actually a lot of money. Yeah, I mean yeah, and that's why you know this film is really regarded as a hit, which I guess technically it was, but in terms of profitability, it, right, it wasn't yeah. what they were expected. Yes, um, but yeah, so you have poor trendmasters who you know sunk all this money into what everyone thought, or at least what. The studio was selling them as being the next Independence Day. They did the Independence. Oh, I gotta Day. interrupt because here's Matt's favorite part. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the gum, the gum line. <laughs> the fr- yeah, the French guys are, are pretending to be American soldiers, and they think it makes them look more American if they chew gum. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, uh, Trendmasters had indep- the Independence Day line too. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they, they imagine all the money they made off of those toys, and uh, you know, here they thought they were going to get that again, and so yeah, they they come up with all kinds of different. Here's the Godzilla that can open its mouth. Here's the yeah. one that roars. Here's the giant ultimate Godzilla. Here's all the human characters, and then. You know, you can't really buy most of these toys until after the movie comes out. And, you know, nobody wanted it. You know, I I don't think kids were really that interested. At this point in the movie where we are, no kids were paying attention to this shit. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't really buying toys that much at that time. But I remember, like, the Godzilla stuff just kind of sitting on shelves. Yeah. And and Well, stories... Go ahead. You know, I was going to say, also, like you said, like, they just made a million different Godzillas, which, you know, they had different features, which I'm guessing in a way... You know, it was to hit different price points because some were bigger than others, and some had, you know, they're all different prices. Yeah, they had all the the baby Godzillas, they had everything. But the thing about it is, though, is like, is like, I understand, you know, kids want a Godzilla toy from the Godzilla movie, but that's not really a toy line when you just make like 12 different figures of the same character. You know what (laughs) I mean? (laughs) Like, that's not really like a collect them all type of mentality that kids would have. You just, you know, their parents will buy them one of the whatever Godzillas, and that would be it, you know? Mm-mm. Yeah. By the time the uh, Godzilla the series toys came out, a lot of retailers basically flat out said, hey, we're not going to put these on our shelves because they were losing money on the original toy line. Well, yeah, and, and uh, to slightly correct you, the Godzilla the series line never got picked up. You know, the, they only exist in prototypes when, you know, that line never came out. You know, yeah, and, and those prototypes sell for shit tons yeah. of money. And and uh, it was it, there were two gods because Trendmasters kind of like the the movies. You know, there was the classic line, and then the the this the ninety eight line. They had what was it? Was it Doom Island? They had the Doom yeah, Island had- line that was about that was com- going to come out around this uh, like. I think consecutively with the animated series toys, and those didn't get picked up. So, yeah, they're pretty big items with collectors, um, you know, the prototypes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's sad because, you know, I mean, it, it it's not like this was the sole con- thing that put Trendmasters out, but it was a huge part of sounds, what ultimately yeah. led to their downfall. It sounds like, from what I read, it was literally about 50%, if not a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it, this half or more this movie's fault. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's a shame. I mean, I bought those toys as a kid, and, you know, I remember Trendmasters' toys being around. and My son loves them. We still uh, – one of my – uh, childhood friends was like, "Hey man, I have all these Godzilla toys," and I was like, "Dude, I'll take them because my, my son will love them." So we have like the the bendable Godzilla toys and some of the Mecha Godzilla stuff. And Transma- I mean, they made a bunch of stuff. Like the first time that I saw uh, Biolante was because of Trendmasters. Like I was mm-hmm. like, "What is this monster? I've never even seen it before." Yeah. It, well, I guess now that we we brought up box office really quick, um, box office for this i mean it had a really steep drop i remember that but it, it, it this movie did very well here and in japan and I, if you put it against the other uh, 31 godzilla movies um it is the eighth highest grossing out of, that's out of 32 movies total and it had um, a huge opening yeah uh but i mean um it's still profitable because it still runs on tv uh as goat mentioned there have been several blu-ray releases yeah two dvds Um, two different blu-rays so and so so this movie 
it it did well, but it's it's one of those rare cases where the marketing and outside factors are what prevented it from really being profitable. Yeah. And um but but yeah, I mean it was a hit and I mean just having a Hollywood version of Godzilla no matter how well the movie how poorly or well received it was having the, the the movie just by existing increased the the dollar value of Godzilla as a brand it made it it expanded the international brand for Godzilla and also here in the states it brought us official releases of the Heisei movies the random house books um uh you know um it it brought a lot of good i i think 20 years later, you know, this movie doesn't sting as much. And I think one of the reasons is with so much distance, now you just look at it as, oh, this is a bad Godzilla movie. It's, it's you know, this is the worst movie in the franchise, you know, for a lot of us. And But that's all it is. It's just a bad movie. Where it, it, and, and the good that it did, I think, has outlasted the bad reputation. Yeah. That, that comes with a bit of a grain of salt in a way. Like, um, cause I was going to, I knew you were going to talk about it, but I was also planning on it too. Like, like, cause there was, like you said, a lot of good that came out of this and like those, those books, which I have half a mind to revisit. I'm sure they're not good. Uh, reading them as an adult versus reading them as a 13 year old. Um, but the the books that that by uh, Mark Saracini, um, the the Heisei movies coming to the U.S. like that's that's the last time, by the way, that that anything like that is ever going to happen. Like where a Godzilla movie is going to get released in Japan and take seven to eight years to reach the U.S. That's never going to happen again. Yeah, now they. Um, I I think. Um... I think ever since 2000, they've all been a year or less. To, to yeah, and 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 that's part of Sony jump. You know, Sony has like some of the rights to be able to re- write. They have like the rights to yeah. release Toho yeah. movies like in perpetuity or something like. Well, now it's um, Warner Brothers, but Sony does but, have the rights to the Heisei series in perpetuity. Yeah, so it's like so they have like you know all these. This is good things that came out of it. At the same time, some of those good things have their have their bad parts about them. You know, like uh, yeah, it, it brought back the it brought back Godzilla in a way. Toho had not been planning on making any movies. They had been planning on putting a Godzilla in Japan to bed for at least ten years, while the Americans did probably yeah. a trilogy. Um, Jelly, Jelly, why, why was that at that time? Was it Godzilla box office receipts were low in Japan at the time? Why did they yeah. want to kill it? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it, it's kind of, this is kind of happens with every time Toho revives Godzilla is they, they have their first movie and they give it the proper amount of time to, to be made. You know, they, they let it be written and, and, scripted and and pre-production and um then the production process is still pretty pretty quick because that's how the japan film industry works but like they give that first movie a decent amount of time to be kind of fine-tuned and scripted and then they're like oh my god look at the box office receipts on this they're through the roof let's do another one let's do another one let's do another one and it it just it's 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 funny because in a way it's almost like old Hollywood, you know, where like 
sequels just constantly had diminishing returns. That's what ends up happening with the, the Toho Godzilla series. Ultimately is they, they can't ever maintain, they always start out with like a really serious tone too, and they can't ever maintain that tone and they can't ever maintain, uh, the box office receipts. And eventually Toho goes, ah, well, we've reached a point where we're like, we barely may have made any money on the last one. Let's just call it quits for a while and come back in 10 years and people will care again. Um, but so yeah, they were like, "Well, we're gonna we're just gonna put Godzilla to bed for like ten years at least." Um, and when this movie came out, and everyone was like, "What the hell have you done?" Uh, Toho like rushed a new Godzilla movie into production, and yeah, to, like, I like make that. up for it, right? Yeah, and well, well, that and was also, always part of their contract with Sony was they they reserved the right to if is it's not so much. It's a little different from what they have with Legendary. With Legendary, they can't do a live action movie until their contract is up. But with but with Sony, they maintained the right to do whatever they wanted in Japan, even if Sony were were still making the movies. So right, and it and it wasn't just because this movie was so poorly received. It was also to capitalize on the popularity of the character right so right so they they rushed something into production and i happen to like that movie and i know bird does and i know matt doesn't um but wait is that the movie that they released here called godzilla 2000 yes yeah yeah um and and yeah that was great and what was really awesome about that is that's that's also probably the last time ever a Japanese Godzilla movie will get a wide release in America. You could go into any general cinemas at two in the afternoon on a Tuesday and see that movie. Yeah, Shin Godzilla got a decent release over here, but you had to go at like 7 p.m. on Friday night or Thursday night, rather, and it wasn't showing at any other time. Yeah, it wasn't um, like a full release. It was like a yeah, targeted yeah. certain times type thing. Yeah, that's another so, thing. I mean, we never so would have like gotten good that. good stuff that came out of this, right? But, like, the Millennium series was all really rushed, and it wasn't, like, this great thing, you know? And and so there's, like, there were good things that came out of it, but, like, and, yeah, we're, we're, we're in a new era right now, right, where we're getting, like, the MonsterVerse, and Toho is possibly... Willing to do things with the character that they've never really. This is some shit CGI, by the way. Uh, target, target destroyed as he floats through the camera. Yeah, but like, it, it's odd that you would have like a, such a large mass object like a Godzilla, flo- like in a close-up shot like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just floating towards the camera. But I dare, and I, I just did it. I dare any of you to hit the little display button on your remote and see how much movie oh, there is. Oh, there's like 40 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, yeah, 40 but, like, minutes. This is so all those. All those kind of good things, right, have their kind of negative side to it. And then also, like, this this movie really did – this and, and Godzilla 2000, right? Because Godzilla 2000 got, it, got its wide release but made, like, 85 bucks at the box office. And I'm sure, like, that's all just from me, Matt, and Bird. Um, <laughs> like, but, like, yeah, it, it killed Godzilla in America. You know, like, we didn't get another attempt at a Godzilla movie in America for – what when did when did um they start trying to make the 2014 i film? think the rights like, were like sold 2012. in 2010 yeah so they didn't even they didn't even think about attempting another godzilla well, movie I, I, for, I, like, I, well I, I want to talk 10, about that for a minute because years, honestly you know, so. honestly after this movie i i didn't think there was i did not think we would ever get another hollywood uh, oh i godzilla. never did either that's what i was telling you guys earlier 
part of like what soured me on this movie, and I'm not even that big of a fan of the newer Godzilla movie, but what soured me was I was like, you know, you make this fake Godzilla, and and, and then people don't like it, obviously. And that's all we're ever going to get for an entire lifetime. Like, I literally thought, even though this movie came out when I was 20 years old, I didn't think I would, like, literally live to see another American Godzilla movie, you know? No, yeah. I, I did not think it was going to happen. But And then, but, and then uh, I, this movie gave Godzilla fans, like, PTSD. Where like <laughs> right. because of all this all the stuff Emmerich and Devlin said, all the condescending stuff they said about the originals, now there's this stigma of you can't direct this I mean, it's not just with Godzilla you see it. And I but I think even people who are would apply the, that logic to, you know, Spider Man or something, I think it's a holdover because this is such an infamous case of people just not giving a shit about the property they're making. Like there's this all of nerddom has this attitude of you. This person shouldn't be making this movie because they're not a fan of the franchise. Oh, and, and they I, test your true fanness. You know, like, oh, you know, like, like Gareth Edwards wasn't a true fan because he said his favorite movie was the original, and that's not a deep enough cut. You know, like, like. He he's clearly not a true fan because his favorite movie is the is the is one the best that, one. Like, <laughs> I I mean I mean honestly I like I kind of think sometimes you have to ride a fine line with that with these long gestating you know long running f- series like you don't want to get too big of a fan because then he's just going to go in there and make like your greatest hits. That's where well that's where you get well, Peter. That's Jackson's where you get King Peter Kong. Jackson's Kong. Yes, but but it but it's like I think you want somebody. I think you want somebody who wants to put either not necessarily their own spin on it, but wants to put a new spin on it, but but still, you know, keep the the traditional and classic uh, qualities. And like one thing I want to ask you guys because we talked so much about the the marketing campaign of this that which like it actually worked in terms of getting people to go see the movie. But I always thought it was a mistake to hide this Godzilla creature. You know, and then at the last minute, people find out we're getting a fake Godzilla. Like, because, like, especially Matt, I know, I want to hear all your guys' uh, opinions on this, but I want to start with Matt. Do you do you guys think the, um, you know, the rea- the reaction you would have had to this, like, iguana creature, if they would have, like, kind of softened the blow by giving you glimpses earlier, like, six months before the movie came out, and you knew before it got, like, right to release time, if you knew this wasn't going to be classic Godzilla, do you think that would have changed your opinion, your reaction? That's a good question. I mean, sure, yeah, because at that point, I'm going to say, hey, it, it's it's a movie with the name of Godzilla. I'm going to go check it out regardless because I want to see also a giant monster wreck a city. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if they had shown me the monster ahead of time, like, I would have been disappointed up front as opposed to, like, watching the movie, having this 30-minute build-up to the creature reveal and then literally, like, feeling like my heart was sinking into my stomach and wondering, like, what I just watched. And we're, now we're getting to the part where all the, you know, the baby Godzillas, and it's just like, uh, at this point in the film, I mean, I just remember, like, what am I watching? This really sucks. And, and like, I, I, I mean, Bird's right. It did give Godzilla fans this feeling of, like, PTSD. And especially, it's like, some of the quotes. Um, I mean, like, here, here's... Uh, Roland Emmerich's quote, like, I was never a big Godzilla fan. They were just weakened matinees you saw as a kid, like Hercules films and the really bad Italian westerns. You'd go with all your friends and just laugh. 
Now, like, I get there's some bad Godzilla movies. I, you know, Godzilla versus Megalon being an example. But the first Godzilla film is, like, not a bad movie. It has things to say. It's an important piece of cinema history. And for him to say those kinds of comments just off the heels of the film, I think those kinds of things also really, like, deepened the hatred for this film because it was well, their reaction to the fans. Well, here, I have a couple more quotes, Matt, and you can continue uh, in a moment. But um, so here we have uh, – um, here is special effects. fucked up looking. <laughs> yeah, these baby Godzillas are only to have raptors in the movie. That's all they were for. They oh, yeah. That is accurate, yeah. Well, at this point, it's just a Jurassic Park ripoff and not a, even a Godzilla movie. This is this I is agree. where the movie – this is the movie at, at its worst. Yeah, this I is where like it's it's part. This is the train wreck. This is where you, you're off the rails. You're you're slaughtering civilians. Like, <laughs> you're, you're leaking chemicals all over the countryside. Like – but uh, but no, I have a couple quotes, and I want I want to get Matt back to his point. So this is a uh, special effects supervisor Volker Engel says Godzilla has always been this slow moving man in a suit and always standing around, looking around, smashing through buildings, looking kind of stupid. This one is an animal, a lizard. It behaves like an animal, and its movements are more in the Jurassic Park range. Dean Devlin says. Uh, It'll look like Godzilla, but me more realistic, more to the lizard genesis than just a big fat guy in a rubber suit. So, I mean, I don't know if they know how athletic those suit actors were, (laughs) but... Yeah, Uh, I mean, I have the exact quote from uh, Sassimo we talked about earlier. He just said, literally, it's not Godzilla, it doesn't have a spirit. And that's, I think that's the the most you can really say about this film if you're watching it as a fan. Like, to me, it, it... it lacks everything that Godzilla would have. And yeah, if we would have seen it earlier in the campaign, like I think that probably would have drove people away to even watch it, to be honest with you, because I mean, to me, this, this design isn't even recognizable as Godzilla. And I think that's a big part of it for me. And I think that's a big part of it for possibly why some of those toys didn't sell because not only was a movie crap, but like those weren't even Godzilla toys really for a lot of people. I agree. That's just so. Bird, what about you? Would, would it have softened the blow and maybe, you know, could you have, like, gone in with a better, you know, expectation um, if you would have known what it, it looked like? It still would have hurt, but it would have hurt in the way that if I walk out in the middle of the street without looking both ways and I get hit by a car I don't see... Versus if I see the car coming at me and I still get hit and suffer the same injuries, it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna hurt. But at least I would have been like, okay, I'm about to get hit by a car, you know. <laughs> so uh, I don't. I it wouldn't make me like the movie anymore. But it it would have. I mean, it it would have softened the disappointment. But I, I don't think the disappointment for anyone would have been less severe it it just would have been more like you know i know i'm about to watch something i'm gonna hate rather than i think i'm gonna watch something i love and i'm gonna hate it yeah jelly what about you what do you think um it's here's where i guess i'll finally elaborate on my point of this movie literally ruining my entire life um It's it's tough because uh, yeah maybe it would have softened the blow and and it, when I say it ruined my life what I what I mean is it it 
this movie for me it marks the end of like my childhood and my innocence like never ever again since this movie has come out have i been just pure unbridled excited about anything um and even when that doesn't necessarily come with cynicism, when it just comes with, like, you know, knowing the potential bad things that could happen, you know, like, I have never, ever in my life ever again been just pure, flat out excited about something with with no reservations and no cynicism and no no hold back on it. This was the last time that I ever experienced that. Um and so, yeah, it, you know, it kind of ruined my life in that way. Like I never got to, exp- I never got to feel that way ever again about anything. Um, and if I had known that we were just going to get some iguana in a Jurassic Park ripoff that had Godzilla's name slapped on it before, would I, would that, would I maybe have had something else down the line that, that crushed my soul in that way? And uh, destroyed my childhood and and uh, and ruined my innocence and my naivete. Maybe right. I mean, obviously, everyone has that experience at some point. I think, like for a lot of people our age or maybe even like a little bit older than us, for them they they say it's Batman Forever. Um, <laughs> That's a good but, one. But uh, but like yeah, for me it's it's this movie. It's this this is the movie that kind of made me be like, oh wait, a movie that I. I'm looking forward to and, and think will be good can actually suck and be bad. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I really felt duped, um, both in terms, really both in terms of the appearance of the creature and then that he didn't do anything like Godzilla, you know, that I was, and I wasn't even like that, like whatever, you know, I, like I had basically seen a handful of Godzilla films up to that point on TV. And uh, we, I think actually the one I saw the most was over the years on TV. I saw the, well, not, well, it is the original, but that like weird recut of the original. Oh, the King of the Monsters. Yeah. Yeah. With Raymond Burr. With Raymond Burr. Burr. Yes, right. Raymond (laughs) Raymond Burr. Like I always saw that version as a kid. That, uh, first of all, uh, the CGI of the babies a minute ago was some of the worst and call them, call them what they are. They're the, they're the raptors, the Kmart raptors. <laughs> and, and, and secondly, yeah, we are in full blown mockbuster. Not yeah, this is like the asylum rolling Emmerich. <laughs> this is the most like you could turn this into like take a little extra B roll footage and turn this whole Madison. By the way, for people who you know are just not really understand what's going on in the movie, Godzilla laid like about four thousand eggs. <laughs> <laughs> which which the shot it was a great miniature but when they show the shot of Madison Square Garden where the Knicks play uh when they show it full of the eggs like and they're huge eggs they're probably what guys probably by about six feet by five feet wide and I'm just oh like, they're taller than six feet yeah how did Godzilla have that many eggs because I mean an, an egg an egg doesn't grow like you lay an egg, the egg is always the same size. So he had all those eggs in his body, and he is huge in this movie. But he wasn't huge enough to have four thousand eggs in there. You know what I mean? Like, just, like just do like the geometry or the math or whatever. Like the the eggs, how okay, how big one egg is? At the most, he probably could have carried what twenty or 30, at the most probably twenty or thirty eggs in his body. 
But he laid four thousand eggs. <laughs> so look at those uh, things; they're f- like floating. Yeah, they're like floating. This is like uh, Asylum Sci-Fi Channel. So Tom's oh, yeah, childhood could, and math has all been ruined by this movie. You could, you could re <laughs> math. You could recut this into like you, like you guys said. This would be like Camp Cretaceous, you know, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> Carnosaur. Yeah, this yeah the this is full blown mockbuster Jurassic Park mockbuster. Even the, I mean the score yeah. is even yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> well, even in action, a lot of the stuff is kind of similar to what the Raptors did in the first Jurassic. Park. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, really, the second Jurassic Park too, because they had a, a kind of goofy sequence with the Raptors in Jurassic Park or Lost World or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but, but uh, to me, for wait, wait, they're gonna eat popcorn. This is yeah, a, they eat okay. Popcorn. As an <laughs> as an isolated gag, it was as like an Thomas. isolated gag, that wouldn't be the worst, you know, right? Like, but that's just like you're in, like you said, you're in full blown like mockbuster, like like this is a complete joke ter- territory, like because that wouldn't be a bad joke as like a tension breaker, you know, of like yeah. The way like a Marvel movie would have something. like Well, that. also too, I, I will give them props for the shot where the elevator opens because like before, where they're just CGI floating on the floor, that shot of them eating the popcorn, you can see about six of them. They're they're kind of like staggered away from the camera. Yeah, those those were practical. Yeah, they're all practical. They're like they look good, you know. The practical practical stuff in this is good, and they they even used um for even the the big Godzilla. They there was there were parts where they had a suit actor in there right. too. You know, but, but I mean, then they cut all that out, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, or or they just used it for like upper body shots and yeah. stuff like that. There's behind the scenes photos where you see like the guys wearing sneakers, uh, you know, under his Godzilla suit. But right. it's funny the guy that was in that suit uh, was a big fan of the original Godzilla movies. There's a there's a clip of him meeting Nakajima and say the first thing that comes out of his mouth is look. I know the movie was what? bad. <laughs> but then he tells a story about how he, he took his sister to see Godzilla versus the Smog Monster and it gave him night gave her nightmares and, and all that. But are we coming up to the gumball uh thing? No, that's, that's a little late. Like this whole rap. That's about like forty five minutes from this now. This has gone on way <laughs> too long. We have so thirty five minutes left somehow. How is that even possible? <laughs> This this whole Madison Square Garden thing has gone on way too long. There is no reason this sequence. But it's only be. like half over, Bert. It's not <laughs> <laughs> but but well, can I can I say going back to the four thousand eggs and the four thousand raptors is <laughs> if they would have found his nest and it would have been like six or seven eggs, like sometimes more is not better. You know? Yeah, that that would still be like. A threat, right? Because like, like, oh, what if there's like eight Godzillas at one time destroying the city and branching out? But when you come up to like four thousand baby Godzillas running around, the like, network is on an internet. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's like it just it, it becomes cartoonish, I guess. Like, like your mind can't wrap around the yeah. damage and the carnage at four thousand well, babies. Because then they're like. Each one of these babies is born pregnant, and so you're like, so the the second time this animal breeds, it starves itself to death. Do you guys like that the control room at Madison Square Garden has Independence Day toys all over it? Actually, I really <laughs> like that. That was like the one thing I liked about this scene for real. See, I that like... line cracks me up though. The system is on an internet. What well, actually says <laughs> intranet, so it's like an internal. That's even more primitive, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't uh, know. Talk about this guy's Jurassic like, Park. There's no guy. Rangers game on. <laughs> what the? Fuck? Yeah, like the guy who's like in like the building next to a rainy window. This is so Samuel Jackson and Jurassic Park right here. So since we're still in the middle of this raptor crap, um, goat, are you familiar with what the the Yandabant Godzilla was going to be? Yeah, like I, I I've had it on the tip of my tongue. I'm just waiting for a good time to ask you guys. I want to know because we, so we kind of covered yeah we kind of covered the disappointment with this movie. It was like a Gamera movie. Like Yandabant <laughs> would have been actually the movie would have focused on Atlantis. Yeah. All these well, he was people. he was hot off. Well, he was hot off speed. Um, and uh, he he did the movie Twister after. Um, but uh, uh, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt in Twister were carryovers from being cast in Godzilla. Really? That's how close that version By came the way, to be. Do any of you guys like Twister? Because I got to be real honest, I love the lead actors, but I don't like that movie. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I remember enjoying it when I watched it, but like I yeah, it's watched been that so long. I don't even years. know if I've watched it since it came out. I mean, I've watched parts of it, but that mo- that version was also advertised on Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla two, was it? Uh, the Yandabant the, version. Yeah, there was a little teaser that they made. Um, it was literally just like coming next year, a Godzilla movie from. Columbia yeah. or whatever. And, like, I that's mean, all so it was, we're getting but... ready. Um, in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 93, Godzilla was supposed to die, but then, you know, when snags with the TriStar project happened, they were like, oh, I guess not. And then they did Space Godzilla. And then Destroya is the one they made when, you know, they finally had uh, directors and, and stuff attached. Um, I mean, I can, I, I don't, I can, I have like a little like, brief little s- summary of the the debant uh yeah, godzilla what was it about because yeah, all i heard was atlantis okay. and they would atlantis um, would actually create godzilla all right well i have the a little it's a brief little synopsis this is from the book uh the big book of japanese giant monster movies the lost films which is all about kaiju movies that never got made um by john lemay who was on our show kaiju transmissions you should go listen um but uh, yeah, I'm going to read, this is like a very bare bones um, dis- plot description. Um, and yeah, this is a good time to read it because ain't shit going on in this movie right now. <laughs> yeah, they're just uh, doing a 20 minute news report <laughs> from the broadcast booth in Madison Square Garden about how there's baby Godzillas everywhere. And meanwhile, as they're doing the report, baby Godzillas are tiptoeing down the hallway looking for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, um, they're tiptoeing down the air above the hallway. Yeah. So Yandabant's got <laughs> they're hover raptors. <laughs> so so Yandabant's Godzilla, um, a site in the frozen Arctic begins leaking a strange red fluid from the ground. A team of scientists discovers a huge dinosaur slumbering beneath the ice, which awakens and kills many people in the process. Among them are Dr. Keith Llewellyn, whose wife Jill, played by Helen Hunt, now heads the U.S. government-funded St. George Project, intent on killing the beast. Aaron Vogt, played by Bill Paxton, an expert on dragon myths is brought in to assist and deducts that Godzilla is a bioengineered life form meant to protect the Earth. And uh, he is not the only monster present. An alien probe has crashed into Lake Apopka in Utah, 
and begins mutating various creatures into a doomsday beast, the griffin. So this is a creature kind of like John Carpenter's The Thing. It comes to Earth and assembles different creatures to make a, its own body. Uh, meanwhile, Godzilla is knocked unconscious by the red fluid in San Francisco Bay and airlifted to the St. George Base in New England. Vogt travels to Utah, where Nelson Fleer takes him cave diving in Lake Apopka. The duo discover and awaken the griffin, which surfaces and destroys a small town. Godzilla escapes New England, and both monsters are predicted to meet in New York. Jill panics as her daughter Tina is in New York and goes to rescue her as Godzilla and the griffin arrive to do battle. Godzilla has a restraining device on his neck, preventing him from firing his atomic ray, which Aaron and Fleer must remove. Godzilla, now able to fire his ray, gains the upper hand in the battle and kills the griffin. Uh, realizing Godzilla's true purpose, Jill forgives the monster and stops the military from killing him, and Godzilla slips back into the sea. Um, that's the, and then a few other little tidbits I can add, like um, here you go, bird. Here comes the bubble gum. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's the gumballs that stop yeah. the, the 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 big fast dinosaurs. Matthew, Matthew Broderick he uh, smashes <laughs> giant gumball machines, and then the baby raptors slip and slide what? everywhere. Did you see that one jump? Yeah. <laughs> He, like, and then he sits there. and stares as the, at them. Yeah, um, like I, I have to, real quick a, a, a criticism when I was watching the end of this last night. I got so pissed off at Matthew Broderick in particular because everybody else is running kind of for their lives, and he lollygags so much, and they <laughs> they almost got eight like thirty times, and he always lollygags and looks like why just run? You, you know, there's um, four thousand raptors everywhere. But yeah, so that's the Godzilla we almost got. A couple things uh, to add. The death of the griffin is pretty cool. Like Godzilla decapitates it and uh, with its head on the the uh, the Statue of Liberty torch. Um, the one character, uh, Fleer, gets possessed by the, the alien goo, and that's kind of where you get your exposition dump. Um, but that's it. I mean, I, the script has been online forever. Uh, I mean, They're it's not hard to falling all over those. <laughs> Yeah, like the, these gumballs just keep rolling throughout the bowels of uh, Madison Square Garden, past all these advertisements, blockbuster advertisements. Now I gotta say, don't you guys think this scene was a ripoff of Gremlins Two? How all the Gremlins are in the lobby of that fucking building, yeah, waiting yeah, for the yeah. doors to open so they can go out. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, how do you guys feel about that aborted uh, Godzilla? That it's I a just... camera movie. Yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was. I, I, I actually was going to ask you guys. I didn't know all the details. I just knew it was Atlantis made him to protect Earth and all that. Right, which is Gamera's backstory. But uh, I don't. I mean, I've read the script. Honestly, yeah. it's it doesn't honest, sound I mean, good a, to me. It really does. A lot of, it's, I mean, no, it's it's a piece of crap in its own way. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it, a piece it of sounds crap more dynamic than this film. But yeah. Yeah. I will say, I love this miniature blowing up here. Yeah, yeah, like Emmerich, this is like his money shot, just like how he blew up the the White House. That they, they, they really try to redo that with Madison Square Garden, and even the but compositing yeah, I, of I, them I, running in front of it is good. Yeah, but I, I think I mean a lot of fans consider that like, oh, what 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 could have been? But I, I think that's part of just the mo- fact that this movie turned out so bad. I I don't think the the Debont version is especially. It, it probably would have been better than this, but I don't think it was especially good. I um, probably would have liked it as a twelve year old, and as a thirty three year old, I would have been like, oh, this is not good. Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> 
Because and, and, and it, that's also weird. And that it's like the Luna's thing. Like I have yeah, a that's problem the with that. thing is that it it. I mean the well, uh, Stan Winston was going to do the creature stuff, and you can see his maquettes for Godzilla and the Griffin online, but. It it looks like Godzilla, but it, he's he's Gamera. I don't know, Matt. I, how do you feel about that the the that version? Yeah, I mean, it would have been better than this, but I don't know how much yeah. you know. It's Gamera versus the Thing, basically. That's pretty accurate. There's also there's there's a ton like Sci-Fi Japan. I, I just want to mention there's there's a ton of information about the unmade thing, including some previs shots of uh, Godzilla's attack on the I think it's Golden Gate Bridge or whatever. Um, that are, that are pretty interesting, and there's a ton of pictures, and I know Bird mentioned that, but like, there's a ton of information about it available. Oh, Did you yeah. guys know yeah. that there's a contingent of people that think this is not the Godzilla that quote unquote died in the Hudson? Really? really? What? Yes. I've never heard that before. How do you get so big, though? <laughs> he like, ate a lot of fish, man. Like, if this was one of the babies, or this was a different Godzilla, like, how could he? That is the saddest Godzilla thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Little baby's got his little mouth open. Yeah, I have just, to. I have to say, like this got me here. Like I, I, like for the first time, you know, during the running time of this movie, this is where I finally have sympathy for this creature is when he sees his dead babies. Uh, yeah, but I, I saw there's your movie. there's a problem, right? Is like it's like who are we supposed to be having sympathy for? Our main characters or the giant monster who's destroying the city <laughs> well I, if if there were more scenes that treated godzilla as sympathetic i don't think that would be a problem but that's literally it yeah <laughs> accurate also we're about to come to the scene where uh remember earlier godzilla could like chomp on helicopters and he exploded immediately now we have a taxi cab that's made of adamantium apparently oh it's yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's a it tank getting chomped and everything it's a tank sea cab well, not only that, but Godzilla could outrun a an Apache helicopter, but he can't outrun a taxi. He also can't break through this fence. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> oh, I better stop. There's a fence there. Hey, hey, hey Bird. Um, that Jan de Bont version, because like the yeah. cat was from Stan Winston, all that. Do you did do you happen to know any information? Because I don't know exactly what year they're going to. Was was that um, Godzilla going to be CG or is it going to be a suit? Do you know? Um, the studio was pushing for something cheaper, but I think Yabant, uh, I think Debant wanted to do a lot of expensive CG work and stuff. The but the the studio was kind of lowballing them a lot, which right. is yeah, part because that's where they got into the the budget argument, and then even. Devlin and Emmerich, when they agreed to do it, were like, "Oh yeah, we could do it for like, was it like ninety million or eighty million? I think they. I think the first meeting they said sixty-two. Yeah, and you they know, wound up going more than the, double that. We didn't talk about like um, they like the they only got into these talks because they they didn't have a, their asteroid movie got canned because uh, there were already two coming out in 98 yeah but yeah when they, they were like yeah we'll do godzilla and toho said like okay we'll bring us bring us a design and they they brought the design expecting toho to be like no absolutely not you're not doing this and then they could kind of be like oh well whatever we tried but th they showed them the design and everyone the, the, the legend goes that everyone at toho it, it started with a silence and then people started like clapping yeah and they were like what that. what's going on and they were like well it's not our godzilla but it's got the the, the it's got the spirit of godzilla yeah go go for it and then they were like 
okay, I guess we're doing Godzilla now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, too, like, because I saw the original sketch, which was very good, black and white sketch, and I'm sure they probably had a good maquette or whatever. And Totopolis <sighs> wanted to do the, the blue breath. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is concept art of the blue breath. Uh, Totopolis, he was a Godzilla fan. Yeah, and when, I, I mean, I think the design is, and that's kind of why I've come around to this movie, and we'll get into its transformation in Zilla hopefully soon, but I, I think when you just look at a picture of this or a maquette, I think it's a good monster design. I think the oh, problem the problem is is when then you put it into this movie and it, you know, it's it's one thing to see it in, in a drawing, another thing to see it in motion, like. And I do understand they were trying to rip off Jurassic Park as much as possible, but even though it's an iguana, like you feel like really that they just saw the T Rex attack in Jurassic Park and were like, "Oh yeah, let's just make a Godzilla that's like Jurassic Park." You know what I mean? Like it. I, like I personally don't feel like it has the spirit of Godzilla. Now maybe if it moved completely different and it was more upright and dragged its tail, then I could see that. But it's way too Jurassic. Some Park-y. of that is remedied in the animated series. Yeah, you know he has he he's still he's still uh you know he's not a tail dragger but he has more of a Nakajima like movement you know he has the 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 breath beam you know he doesn't run away from any kind of conflict he can survive uh, military assault he fights other monsters um, essentially the design and the burrowing are really the only things carried over from this and it's it's i mean we we kind of talked about this on facebook but i i mean that version is essentially the godzilla that we wanted and i right. think they knew that well let me ask you guys this too i mean obviously just the history of godzilla being a very old franchise you know starting having many films and also what, what i think a lot of kind of casual american people don't realize about godzilla is the budgets are much lower on japanese movies because the market is smaller, you know. Um, but By, well, just to interject real quick, here's a scene that is ripped off blatantly in the next film, Godzilla 2000, the Toho movie. Yeah, with the the yeah the tunnel with the, 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 the tunnel. tunnel. And, yeah, yeah. I actually have Godzilla 2000 on DVD. I don't know, like it's 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 really not my thing, but um, but the you know the vast majority of Godzilla movies that have been made. Uh, Godzilla has been, you know, you know, a guy in a suit, suitmation, like going forward, like making a movie now, whatever, just, you know, you guys being lifelong fans, uh, just go down the line. Uh, what do you like, you know, if you were to make another Godzilla movie today, make it, you know, really quality, not campy, not whatever. And you guys had the call. What would you do? A suit or the CGI? Oof. I think you go mixture if you can. I mean, like, I think I think if you can mi- do what Jurassic Park originally did, where you have a a solid mixture of using CG when you can, but also having the 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 props and the other in the set pieces and things. Assuming you have the time and and, and the budget to do both, um, that would be my personal preference. Yeah, almost like this movie, you know, like yeah, this movie uses a lot of practical effects for a Godzilla movie, especially. Yeah. Um. It, it, goat i'm I, your question is is kind of one of those weird things of it, it really depends you know like i i'm in the camp of not minding cgi godzilla at all 
But if you're going to do CGI Godzilla, do stuff with him that suit Godzilla can't do. Right. You know, I think this movie actually does a good job of that. Again, credit where it's due for that. I think the 2014 movie does a does a mostly good job of that. I think they, I think they probably could have gotten away with, you know, obviously they could have gotten away with a lot more practical effects because they did none. Um, they but did like, zero. <laughs> but like, you know, that that movie does a good job of like doing things with Godzilla that they could not do with a suit or, you know, could not do effectively with a suit. And you look at a movie like Shin Godzilla where um, he is 100% CGI. They, they did not do a, a suit or a puppet at all, yeah. but they made it look just like a puppet and they made it move just like a puppet and it's like why he didn't like, move much at all yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna take that tangibility out of it and that that craftsmanship that's always been kind of a part of it then you need to have a reason for doing so so it's i'm like in that anime, camp of like you, know, you can in animation you can make godzilla do anything and in the anime yeah. they just had him stand there <laughs> so i'm in that camp of like i would probably go cgi but i would really use the cgi for for scenes that you couldn't do with godzilla and that we've always wanted to see done with godzilla you know just more more agile. I think the 2014 movie strikes a really good balance of the heavy and the agile um and yeah, I would just that'd be my, I think I would I think you have to go CG to to a certain extent. Um now if I'm making this movie just for me, I'm going to go practical and traditional. Now if I'm making it with the uh, intent that people will see it and that it will make money, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably kind of go with what Matt said of a really healthy mixture, um a lot of CG, but then um you know, close-ups and, you know, uh, half-body animatronics and, and stuff like that. The CG in this chase isn't so, isn't so bad. And, yeah, like, the no, CG, the CG on the, when the... when the bridge falls on them yeah, is actually quite the good. The CG on the bridge isn't bad either, you know. And, I, I mean, for back then, you know, they had to animate every little brick and stuff. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it's doing its thing. This is the most disappointing thing about this Godzilla is that God's one thing everyone knows about Godzilla is that, you know, he, he tanks and planes shoot him and it doesn't do anything. And then here it's that's all all you need to do, apparently. Yeah, he's very soft skin for me. For me personally, and obviously I'm not coming from it as a super fan. Like, honestly, I've probably seen six or seven and with the new ones, probably eight or nine Godzilla movies. I own some. A lot of them I watched one time. And Didn't you say, didn't you tell me at one point you were a big GMK guy? GM, yeah, and that's what I'm getting to. GMK, for people who don't know, it was like um, one of the newer ones that they made after Godzilla 98, right, Bird? Like, what was yes, it? Uh, yes, yeah. 2001. 2001, they made it. It's more of a direct follow-up to the original Godzilla, and mm-hmm. it has Godzilla Returns and he's evil. He has completely wide eyes. That's my favorite look. Personally, if I was making it, and I understand, like, there's going to be people that just make fun of a suit and all that. But, I mean, and again, I haven't seen all the movies. And I know there's obviously some, you know, the Japanese movies where the suits are better than others and all that. Me, personally, like, I would just, especially if I was trying to tell a more dramatic story and not just focus on thrills and spills of CGI action, I personally would uh, go with the suit, like, literally as much as possible. Like, I would probably do, like, I would probably do like a 70% suit, maybe like 
10% of like animatronic, you know, things that like, you know, you know, close ups of the Just face, like a big the giant foot or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I would use the CGI, like, cause how we were saying, like, you know, that shot where he's on the bridge in this one, it wasn't too bad of CGI. It was cause the, the camera angle was like really far away. I would do like that kind of stuff. Like I would use the CGI just to, to sell the scope and scale, but like personally for my money, and again, I, I'm not that huge of a fan of the 2014 film. I personally get more emotion of, as a viewer. I get more emotion and feeling out of seeing the suit versions, you know. So I would really go with the suit, you know. And obviously, there's just that barrier of people are very fickle now, and they need their CGI and they expect their CGI. But I'm bored of CGI, and I don't. I don't think it's like the one cure fix all thing, you know. I think we really need to get back to these practical effects of suits. And like, because I mean, if you look at some of the, like the better alien suits and like the alien series, and like you see the behind the scenes, like, like you can really make a suit as detailed as you want. And personally, a detailed suit, when photographed right, of course, with the right lighting, I think it it can come off more convincing than CGI, you know. Yeah, I agree. We had the, the oh, whoa! Cliche. Did you guys see the guy in the background? Yeah, Tommy what was Chong, that? the like biker Tommy Chong guy. Yeah, I've never noticed that. Um, oh, that guy looks fake. That does not look like a person. <laughs> we had that very cliche death scene, though the 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 uh, it's like the, the monster's Kong. heartbeat. The oh thump, yeah, that's that's straight thump, thump. out of uh, Kong seventy six. Yeah, yeah. The Let me ask, because I saw this movie a few times in the theater. I can't tell you how many people after the Madison Square Garden blew up just left. It really <laughs> feels I, like, I like oh, movie. my God, it's finally over. Yeah. And then I remember at one screening I went to when when the big Godzilla comes out, there was this couple and they were standing up, like getting their coats on. And then the big Godzilla comes back out and they were like they like you could hear them go. Oh, and then they sat down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they wrap it up and it, it, the Godzilla death scene I mean it was like some good CGI with him getting caught on a bridge and stuff but it pretty much was it was nothing special like like take all the baby raptor stuff out which is kind of a chore for me like I mean I enjoy it on some level that it's like oh look they do that? like it's a I, dra- you I, know, I just like what was wrong with just having the one big monster right. I don't understand like I don't why did they do that like <laughs> well, I, like you, I mean, I all, the, all the scenes of the big version when the military is fighting the big Godzilla. To me, that just plays better as a movie than all that little baby raptor shit did. So, um, uh, I guess uh, we're about to get to our Puff Daddy song, but um. <laughs> <laughs> this this is like the cliche late '80s all the way through the '90s ending to these big blockbusters, where everybody like stands around at the end while there's like the big media <laughs> hoopla all around them yeah. and they crack jokes and stuff, you know. We didn't we didn't talk about the soundtrack the the actual soundtrack to this yeah, movie much, not the but, score uh, but the soundtrack to the the you know Sony put together because Sony obviously also has record labels so. I had it. It was a scorcher of terrible music, but it was a scorcher. <laughs> it was very popular. And it, do you, well, maybe you guys don't remember because you guys are younger, but I remember like even in the press, there was a lot of talk of the late 90s soundtrack back when obviously people still bought CDs, but 
soundtracks were like a big money maker for a while. Like even oh if- yeah, I, I, like I like um yeah, they would always have some popular artist in there that would be like the lead single and. And you would, yeah, I mean, for a long time, soundtrack albums were yeah. huge. And you would buy and them, I, I and guess, it would say I, music I think Black from Panther and inspired is kind of by. the only recent one that's kind of done that. Yeah, music yeah. from and inspired by. Yeah, and, yeah, it, yeah. It, and it was all and inspired, because literally only one song on the soundtrack would be in the movie, and that would be like, either there'd be a scene where they'd be playing on the radio in the background. Yeah, you had that here when song. she was making the fake ID on the subway, and in the, the background... Yeah. The Jamiroquai yeah, yeah. sound is in the background. I'm not yeah. listening to that right now. Maybe I am. <laughs> well, um, do you guys want to hear what the the story was for the proposed sequel to this? Yeah, what would have happened? I'm and reading from the, like insects or something, right? Yeah, I'm reading from the same book, um, the Lost Films. Uh, shortly after the death of Godzilla in New York, Nick Tatopoulos rescues and befriends a juvenile Godzilla before setting him free into the ocean. Two years later, Nick must re-team with Philippe Roach to determine if that same Godzilla is responsible for a series of mysterious disasters. Their search leads them to the Australian outback, where they connect with Anna, a biologist studying a whole herd of Godzillas. When it becomes apparent the Godzillas aren't to blame for the mysteri- for the uh, for recent events and keep to themselves, the trio sets out for Monster Island, where the French nuclear test created Godzilla. At the same time, a giant egg appears in Sydney. On Monster Island, the trio discovers the real culprits, a species of giant mutated insects. Um, when they return to the outback, the military has killed all of the Godzillas but two, the adult and the runt, who escape underground. Later, when the insect queen, called <laughs> called Queen Bitch... <laughs> <laughs> he sends upon Sydney. Godzilla shows shows up to battle it. The Queen overpowers him and abducts Anna and heads for Monster Island. Philippe Nitch, uh, uh, Nick and General Hicks, that's Kevin Dunn's character, head to the island where, while Godzilla follows by sea. On the island, Nick rescues Anna from an underground hive, along with many other captive humans whom Godzilla rescues at the last second from the Queen. After defeating the Queen, Godzilla and the Runt are regarded as heroes and are allowed to live by Hicks and the military. Um, uh, another little thing about that is uh, Maria Patillo uh, is written out of the movie in the first act Jeez. where Nick is kidnapped from their wedding and taken by the French. <laughs> Interesting. I don't think it sounds very good, uh, but Queen <sighs> Bitch, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't like all that Queen Bitch bullshit, but I, I kind of <laughs> like the idea if you were to do a sequel of introducing a new female lead. And then, you know, because I actually did like, and that's part of the nostalgia charm for this movie is I do like Jean Reno. To me, he's the best actor in this movie in terms of like what he, he does. makes this movie, um, he makes an unwatchable, a nearly unwatchable movie kind of watchable at some points in it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for me, and I know my opinion of this like really differs from your guys. Like, I think this movie works okay when you have all the big Godzilla stuff. It's just all, it's just there's so much gobbledygook with the characters. And like you said, it's really hard to sit through. And John Renault, just with his charm and his badassness, kind of makes all that shit tolerable for me. But, well, I, I, I think that we can, we should take a moment to talk about the real sequel, which was Godzilla the series, which was, uh, in my opinion, probably one of the best, one of the last great, for my generation anyway, Saturday morning cartoons um and 
is it like maybe one of the only great like movie tie-in cartoons you know like yeah yeah it really is and and it's it, i it's one of my favorite godzilla anythings from the decade of the 90s uh and the version of nick i mean a lot of the characters from this are carried over but they're completely different um you know they look different which is probably to get around you know likeness fees and stuff but uh no, yeah. you know nick isn't this nerdy little guy he's you know a more of a a a, a here adventure hero type um those the two scientists from the beginning are in it as you know kind of comic relief but you know they have they 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 feel like real characters and kevin dunn is one of the only kevin dunn comes back for the voice of hicks but he's a much less uh he's a much more accepting version of the character and then i mean it just gets to the gods what you want from godzilla you want to see him other fight other monsters and for a kids show it, it, it you know it it's pretty heavy on you know crazy fake science but you know it didn't i didn't feel like it talked down to kids the way a lot of cartoons do and my, uh, uh, and, my and the characters the... Are, are are pretty well drawn and they progress throughout the the, the show which is something a lot of car- kids cartoons don't do so i i mean i i really enjoy it and when it came out on dvd i you know i got it and i was expecting like okay maybe a little bit of nostalgic enjoyment here and there but i was surprised that i just ended up binging the show and really enjoying it yeah i end up just liking it yeah um my version, my pitch of a sequel to this, uh, it was something that I actually found online when I was when I, I got the internet like two months before this movie came out, right? Um, I I found like a pitch for a sequel to this that I thought was like the legit sequel pitch for a while, and it was just some dude's like GeoCities website or some shit. But <laughs> you <laughs> like, got con. Um. I, and I, I still think it's like actually it would have been a really good idea and it would have been a really good way to um to to kind of appease everyone would have been uh basically to to cop to that this wasn't Godzilla and that everyone thought it was Godzilla. See, I, I really God- like that. And then that the real Godzilla shows up to to take on this this creature. Um I found that as a as a thing, and then you know Toho basically ended up doing that when they did Godzilla: Final Wars in a way. Yeah, uh, well, I, I mean, I really yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, let's since we're in the post, we're in talking about the after the movie, um, the kind of rebranding of this version of Godzilla. It, it's caused a little yeah, bit of confusion, yeah. uh, I think, among yeah. fans because that you know it, it's got a new name, which is Zilla, which is kind of Silly. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, terrible. Like but you oh, know, no, I, I, mean, uh, I prefer Gino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know what? I actually like Gino too. Like just as a but, name. Um, but yeah, the 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 Zilla version um, was not meant to replace this version. Toho considers the monster in this to be Godzilla. You know, it's in their trademark. I mean, they're they're not going to retcon a big blockbuster. The The reason they came up with the Zilla was uh, because they saw the potential of it as a monster to be used in, in final wars. And, you know, they, they just decided to roll with it and kind of recognize, you know, Hey, that wasn't the Godzilla people know, but um, it's still considered a version of Godzilla, kind of like how, you know, for go, you might not know what I'm talking about, but the millennium series, their version of Mecha Godzilla is called Kuryu. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, but but Kuryu is still a a, ver, a a a takeoff of Mecha Godzilla. So it just just as Zilla is a a takeoff of Godzilla. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I I don't I mean I don't really mind it. I mean, it was cool to kind of I think Final Wars gave us some real catharsis. Yeah, me, me uh, too. I mean, honestly, Final Wars is and and just for people who aren't like the super Godzilla nerds, Final Wars was one of these. You know, it was, it was supposed to be, it was kind of like the anniversary film, but it was kind of a send-off in a way. It was like this movie where they had got, where they had Godzilla fight, like, all his big foes. And, like, some of them he really just defeats super quick, which is, you know, Godzilla 98, a.k.a. Zilla, shows up. And he's all CGI, whereas, like, the, the Godzilla in the movie is a guy in a suit. And, like, he kills him pretty quick, but, like... I don't know, like, that's my favorite scene in all of Final Wars, and I like that idea of being like, well, no, this wasn't, this was another creature that was mistaken as Godzilla, and that's why I find it so bizarre, Bird, how you said how, like, Toho's like, no, 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 uh, Gino or Zilla, it really is Godzilla, I'm like, what? Like, you acknowledge well, I, I mean, they, they don't want you know? to... I mean, they're they're still very proud that this movie happened, yeah. you know, and I, I think that they don't really want to devalue that. Zilla. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go. It's interesting. Um, you know, the, the that Zilla creature has been used um, in a lot of the comics. Yeah, fighting I was God's that. in memory of Tomoyuki Tanaka. You know, a nice touch. Although I'm not sure how he would have felt about this. He's he's the creator. <laughs> of Godzilla, but, um, but yeah, uh, uh, and um, he showed up in um, the Godzilla anime that just came out. There was a prequel novel that came out that utilized a lot of the Toho canon. And there's a sequence where there's a Zilla lays eggs in France and there's a ton of Zilla baby Zillas and he showed up in video games and, yeah, you know, like, he's kind of his own monster. Uh, yeah. I was you know, gonna, until, so. Yeah. Like personally, and I know this will never happen. I'm in the minority, but I think at this point, my dream, whatever, you know, for like the Godzilla series they're doing now it's really not Godzilla versus King Kong. My actual dream matchup is Godzilla versus versus Gino or Zilla, you know, because because uh, Zilla has the capacity to lay all the eggs. I would love it just to see this like giant nest that the real Godzilla has to like wipe out with his radioactive fire breath. And then like I think it'd be great like to have the kind of bigger, slower, traditional Godzilla fight this like you know, whipping around giant lizard. Like I would love to yeah, see fi- those, final those wars movies. gave us that catharsis of like, ha ha, you took out the shitty version in yeah, like five yeah. seconds. Like, but, like it, it but, basically um, told you Zilla was a jobber, but I like the idea yeah. of like, no, he's actually like a very evil. Well, you, you, you should know. check out the, uh, rulers of earth, the first volume of the, the IDW comic, uh, that for the first arc is, is there's no, uh, he doesn't do that. They don't do the eggs, but the first arc has a, a pretty long and brutal battle between the two Godzillas. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see, like, that cartoon picture that we looked at earlier today, though, where Godzilla is, like, ramming uh, Zilla in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the one piece of, like, fan fiction lore I wouldn't really want to go down. I do encourage anyone, to, everyone, to check out the animated series. I, uh, Matt, yeah, Matt, I I've, really I've been, trying, see I've been dragging Matt into it, kicking and screaming. It's, but I mean, I, I've seen. You need to surrender to it, man. It's, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the show to to birds and and Tom. You know, they both said it's good. It it's from what I've seen, it is good. It does have. There's some an episode where bag. Godzilla gets laid, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, this was like we, kids cartoon. Like, yeah, like, but, but he, this is Tom. Do you remember cartoon. that episode? This is a kids cartoon. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there's an episode where he meets like a, a female, uh, like a giant Komodo dragon, and they well, get it on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, because that was like a big thing for like, you know, kind of PG, PG-13 movies back then, especially Sony, is because you would go a couple years in between the sequels to get a cartoon going to kind of keep the the property alive. For yeah, they a while. did it with Men in Black, yeah. uh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. It was a big. It was thing. just a big thing with like movies back yeah. then, you know. Like I remember, there was a Dumb and Dumber cartoon, a Free Willy cartoon. Oh my god! They just Willy. used to do that, like Mr. T cartoon, Mr. T cereal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything had a cereal too. Well, like I really feel like we just like really kind of scratched the surface, especially because I got three lifelong Godzilla fans there. So I mean, we gotta figure out some other. Godzilla movie because I mean obviously this this we spend a lot of this runtime talking about where this film fed it you know fit into the overall history of Godzilla. I like to dive a little deeper you know somewhere down the, and obviously just have you guys all you guys on you know for other movies as well. But uh, there is, are many Godzilla movies that we could come right. back. <laughs> yeah and like i'm just you know and obviously other giant monster movies as well but uh goat i'm telling you get on the king kong king kong lives is a movie that has just, you written all over yeah, it and i, I think kong lives. i think i speak for all of us in saying we would gladly come back for king kong oh yeah you know especially the way it tied into the big hit and everything we definitely you, uh, you wouldn't if if you end up liking it you wouldn't be the only one i'm gonna i'm gonna say that I'm gonna I'm gonna second that. <laughs> it's a bizarre movie, but, but the reason I say it has goat all over it is because it's it's King Kong, but it has like this '80s sleaze all over yeah. it. Yes, <laughs> Linda Hamilton shows her tits for that movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay, I'm making the proclamation right now, especially since it sounds like all you guys are up for it. I'm not going to, you know, say exactly when, but we we will do King Kong Lives. Uh, let's let's say let's do it, you know, because obviously you don't want to do the same type of movie over and over. But let, let's do let's make a promise to do King Kong Lives. Let's say within the next six months. That sounds good. Can to me. can we make a pa- can the four of us make a pact? I am totally into this. <laughs> the the yeah, my only problem it. with it is like you can't get King Kong Lives anymore. <laughs> you can't. You can find it. I found a. I got well, a used DVD for like five bucks. You can find it. You're not going to necessarily find it uh, in good quality. In, in a saying. kosher, in a kosher way. Okay. Yes. I. I mean, is everyone else game for this? I am in. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, man. I'm a hundred percent. We'll get the. Uh, does anybody currently own a copy of it right now? I do. Okay. Let me. We'll just burn a bunch of copies. <laughs> <laughs> Start, shit. like, passing it, it, them along. It is expensive. Oh, is it? See, I got it's a like, used copy for fairly under 10 bucks. It, it's, I'm looking on eBay right now. It's ranging between 30 and 75 That is not. Don't do that to yourself. Don't, you, don't, no, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that to yourself. I, 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 you know, honestly, I would do 30 on, like, an import Blu-ray, but I'm not going to do even 30 on a shitty DVD. But... We'll, we'll see on on uh, on Amazon Marketplace. There's used copies for six bucks plus shipping. Okay. Once we get it figured out where everybody has a copy, uh, <laughs> you know, 
in, in a good way that will support the economy of King Kong. Let us, we'll, we'll, <laughs> then we will reconvene, figure it out. But yeah, King Kong was coming soon. All right, so, so this is officially, guys, like no shit, this is officially uh, within the whatever we've done, 51, 52 episodes of the movie Graver, this is now officially the longest episode. So I wanted it to had to be right. Yeah, well, yeah, because this movie was so a long. Six and a half hour long movie. So, I so I want to thank you guys. <laughs> I know because you know, peel the curtain back a little bit. We we all live kind of in different time zones, so I understand it's pretty late where you guys are. So I want to appreciate and say thank you guys for literally staying up into the early morning hours to talk about Godzilla '98. Uh, before we leave, uh, just real quick, what is uh, obviously, everybody listen to Kaiju Transmissions, and you know, pr- probably half the people will be listening to this will probably be Kaiju Transmission listeners anyway. But if, if you stumbled across this and you think this is an interesting topic, like I do, these these giant monster movies, listen to Kaiju Transmissions. But what is your guys' favorite version of Godzilla? Like from what movie, Matt? What's your favorite incarnation of Godzilla? Probably the Heisei Godzilla, but I would also say the early. Show with Godzilla from like uh, Monster Zero, those two. Interesting. Bird, what um, about you? Well, my favorite suit is probably the 62 version from King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, I love the indestructible, like terrifying 54 one, but I think I like that kind of grace period between 54 and when he became a hero. Like King Kong vs. Godzilla and Godzilla vs. Mothra, where he was just a, he wasn't a good guy. He he wasn't evil like Fifty Four. He was just a badass. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am. Early early sixties. Jelly, what about you? Yeah, that's uh, mine. Is it's Mothra versus Godzilla from nineteen sixty four. It's. Uh, it's what I think of as being like, if I were, it's, it's one of those, like, you know, if you were asking me, Oh, how would you depict Godzilla? Big? It's tough. Cause I already think like my perfect, uh, depiction of Godzilla already exists. He is, uh, he's a badass. He's borders on evil. He, but he's not quite evil. He's just a, an ass. Like he's just, he's just badass. Um, but he's also got a, a hint of, of animalism and it's like that perfect just that little bit um there's a a great scene i always point to where he gets his tail stuck in uh in like a radio tower and when when he gets unstuck the tower falls on him and the way he reacts is he turns around and he attacks it and to me it's like that perfect like Here's an, an animal who's confused and antagonized about where he is, but he's also unstoppable and he's a badass. And that's my perfect uh, rendition of Godzilla is Mothra versus Godzilla from 1964. Nice. And mine will be the one I talked about earlier from GMK, uh, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, All Monsters Attack. I just love the design of the suit. I love to me the white eyes are so iconic. I love that he's evil. I like the kind of bluish tinge that he has. I like that his spikes light like kind of like light up before he does his atomic breath. I just love everything. Like to the point where I really need to watch more Godzilla movies, but I just kept like I literally have like six different copies of that movie. I just collected different versions from around the world. Like I just kept <laughs> watching that same one over and over and over. 
Like, I also own Godzilla 2000, Final Wars, uh, a couple of the other ones. I don't even know what they are, where he fights other monsters, but from that time period, from, like, the early 2000, whatever. But I just I, I just got stuck on that one, man, and it just really yeah. wasn't what I love. Well... Uh, speaking of listen to kaiju transmissions, go uh, probably in the next few weeks. Matt and I just did a commentary on GMK with someone who was on the set of that movie as a photographer really? for about for about eighty percent of the shoot. So there's a lot of behind the scenes uh, nuggets and oh, stories I- and little trivia tidbits. Um, so yeah, I that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's yeah. one thing. Just for people like when we say kaiju transmissions is like utmost one of the best type of podcasts for this like literally it's not just it's not just bird and matt sitting around talking about the movies and stuff which i mean it's cool but they actually go out of their way because they go to conventions they meet the people they've done interviews just i mean they're they're getting you if you want to know about that world they're giving you the inside scoop that like really nobody else yeah, no, check us out. We, we've interviewed a lot of the suit actors. We interviewed, Matt interviewed Sonny Chiba in a Macy's dressing room. That's right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, they're, like they're, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, these kind of professional entertainment networks that make YouTube videos and podcasts and shit. That's not what, you know, Matt and, and Bird are. They're, they're just lifelong fans who just dedicate it covering it you know just out of the passion in their heart they're, they're they're not trying to you know exploit it for it for for whatever for clicks for views for downloads they're really heartfelt fans and that's why i would really you know and plus jelly's been on a, a handful of episodes i mean i don't know i can't recommend it highly enough and you, you know, did our power rangers one with us too. i did that was a lot of fun and I like I just get out a, a kick out of these things where I know people are doing it from like legitimate legitimate like lifelong passion for it, and that's why I highly recommend that. You know, it, and even if you you're not like super knowledgeable about it, like I still think there's a lot. You know, I, I've listened to a bunch of episodes, and you know, and even the ones where I didn't know exactly what they were talking about, like like it still was interesting to me because it's it's. It's like going down a rabbit hole. It's such a subculture, and there's so much history and everything behind it. And, like, that's why I know, like, in America, like, we don't think that there's, like, a huge Godzilla fan base, but there really is. Like, you just don't see it every day, but it's really there. And, like, I would really encourage people, anybody who's into geeky stuff, anybody who's just into movie fandom at all, to check out that podcast. Because and for, uh, for the movie, just great. My, just to, well, I'm just I was going to add a quick my two cents on it. Um, yeah. For people who are like, oh, well, there's a million Godzilla podcasts out there. They do not just cover Godzilla. And so, like, um, if you're curious about, like, other things other than Godzilla, and and I'm just saying, like, legitimately just curious. You don't have to be a fan. Um, It'll be brought to your attention via that show. Um, And that's that's one of my favorite things about it. I think the next thing we're putting out is our first uh, Harryhausen episode, which people have asked us for Harryhausen content a lot. And for the Movie Graveyard fans, I mean, pretty much a a co-host on this show is is Trev. (laughs) And he's been on on our show a lot. He's been on, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know... There's a lot to love about it, and I strongly recommend. But, you know, we. by the way, you know, for our listeners, Movie Graveler listeners, we've been doing the episodes more regularly now for this year. 
and the downloads are up so obviously we thank you obviously there's a lot of people that have the the passion for these older films and like to revisit the way we do sit down and talk about it so yeah thank you to all our listeners obviously and again before we go thank you matt thank you jelly thank you bird for doing this with me and it was really it's been a pleasure yeah it was really your idea this is the most fun i've ever had watching a movie i hate (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and like in a weird way i felt bad like you know pulling you guys back into that but i just to me you know especially this being a nostalgia movie nostalgia based podcast like this was just a major i mean forget godzilla you know the world of godzilla just for modern movies like this this movie just has such a huge footprint it's oh, yeah. it's on it's, unre- it's remarkable you know? we you can't say it enough that that the marketing campaign was unique and it you know for for as much as i do hate this movie um and as much as it, <laughs> it ruined it, your it, life <laughs> and as much as it ruined my entire life um it, it does make me sad that we will we will never see a marketing campaign like this yeah. for any movie ever again yeah, I, mean, um, I mean people can say oh marvel infinity war is the biggest movie ever made but you know what no, no not in this way not in the way like you know the entire culture not just movie culture the entire culture was wrapped up in this thing for months i mean it's just you know Yo quiero Taco Bell. I mean, <laughs> they got wrapped up in that, you know? Like People don't understand the pre-internet movie stuff that happened, especially right around when this movie, because like the internet was still kind of in its infancy. Not everybody had it yet. And if you did, it was dial-up. So like, yeah. it, that's what this movie had going for. And that's why the marketing campaign could be as massive as it was. Yeah, it's just truly... Truly amazing, and not in a not all in a positive way either. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I th- I really think the movie industry as a whole learned its lesson from this movie. So it just we had to cover it. It's just too interesting not to. So guys, again, thank you so much for doing this, for staying up half the night, especially to do it because this movie is eight and a half hours long. <laughs> Listeners. I hope if you're one of those people who saw this movie in 98 and hated it, I hope just listen to us exhaustively talk about all this shit that went on, give you guys the catharsis, and I hope it encourages somebody somewhere to go and watch more kaiju movies. So guys, thanks a lot, listeners, and we'll see you next time on The Movie Graveyard. Godzilla, size does matter. Godzilla eggs are hatching! Mutant babies with slashing claws! Lock and load! These babies are packed with mutant attack powers! Electronets are shredded! Our battle shields are failing! Wait! Nick's repelling into position! Fire! Oh no! Something big is coming! It's Godzilla! We need bigger guns! Godzilla babies, hatchlings, action figures, and Supreme Godzilla each sold separately from Trendmasters. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.